Sure. My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 64 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Hooray. <laughs> that Dude. really felt like you were no selling our entire No, I was, I was totally like cool about it though. <laughs> so today on the show we have our guest, Mr. Brendan Hubbard. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Thanks Welcome for having me. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming on with us. Yeah, this is great. Brendan is is in a real way our perfect guest in the sense of my man is a working man mm-hmm. in both music and movies. You're like a, the perfect intersection of all of our furies, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, someone who was a more famous version of you would be a better. But I think when it comes <laughs> to just thematically, you are the because you are. I mean, you're actually out there doing it, and like, you know, I know people. We both know people who've tour managed or done like mm-hmm. you know music stuff. We both know people who've worked at venues like Kung Fu Necktie or Union Transfer, and we both. Know a few people. I, pr- I think I know a couple more who've done like production assistants and like been on sets and whatever. But I don't know personally anyone else who's done both. I think you're the only person I know who's done both. So when you were like, "Oh, I'd like to come on the show," I was like, "Oh, great! That's perfect because you are actually the the place where these two things intersect that we've made our show about." So that's really good. Yeah, pretty- do do the people you work with on movies know you have this like rocker background? And if so, do they? talk about it in awkward embarrassing ways uh yeah i mean a lot of people know i came from touring it's basically the only reason i'm in films because mm-hmm. i was touring with a band and the lead singer started selling scripts sure and then we just got together and started making movies sure so wow. yeah That's it's awesome. definitely like when i jump on sets obviously i meet a lot of new people and they're all like union and all that stuff right so it's always like a wait so you tour but you produce as well i'm like yeah like, it's fine. Why, why not? I mean, what's wrong with it? Yeah. And they're just so confused because they're, for them, like, you know, if they're in the union, they have to, you know, do a certain amount of days a year. They have to pay their rent. They're living in New York City, which is kind of a fail. So, like, for That's them, expensive. it's just, this is what you do. You production manage. You do it seven, eight months a year, sometimes more. And then, you know, you take your vacation. I mean, friend of the show uh, and never been a guest and probably never will, Ed Travis. <laughs> He worked, when he first moved to Austin, one of his many jobs was a production assistant. And he worked on TV shows. He worked on sets. He worked with Terrence Malick. Yeah, well, I think once he did that Terrence Malick movie, that was sort of like the best he felt like he was going to get without like really investing all of his time. And he just got to a point where he's like, it just seemed like all the people he knew who were doing it were doing it. It was like, it was again, it was like being a road dog. Yeah. Only like that's all you did. Like at least the other people I know who like go on tour, they also are home for a little bit. But all mm. the people he knew who were like paying bills as production people would just jump from one production to another production. And he's a little bit of a home. He doesn't really like leaving his house to go. He's to got that beautiful Austin. baby and everything yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, totally. So yeah, he didn't I have the baby it. at the time when he made this decision. But mm. yeah, do you like doing like both of them like that? Do you do you feel that it draws upon like the same type of skill set and like that you'd share between both? Uh, roles or uh, yeah I mean I would ideally like to just produce projects and work three four months a year and yeah. just kind of do creative things that way but I mean there's something fun about hey I'm gonna take three weeks and just go out with this band and meet some new people and be in a new city every night just something something I enjoy about it but it's the same with going to film festivals too it's like you just travel yeah. meet mm-hmm. new people everyone's great you just celebrate art basically it's great oh yeah I didn't mention that too so because I, I think that doesn't get as much respect when we talk about people working in film and maybe this is your experience but this is my experience we always talk about people making films yeah and we very rarely talk about people exhibiting films but if you if there were no exhibitors mm-hmm. and i even mean like fess a lot of these movies would not 
I mean, some of the films that I love, if it wasn't for some fest showing it, you wouldn't know it existed until it showed up, if they're lucky, on yeah, Netflix. Right. And that's only if they got enough buzz to even get on Netflix mm-hmm. for whatever. People like Josh Goldblum, former former guest of the show. Yep. We, we really appreciate the awesome fest that happens in Philadelphia in summers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that dude that dude's awesome. So, you know, it's cool having people that, that do that stuff. Do you so, do that stuff? Do you do, like, do you put on movies as well? Like... Uh, I've helped out on some film festivals in Philly, um, mm-hmm. but recently I've just been going, yeah. just showing our work. We have a few projects going on right now, so it's it's fun to just go to film festivals, and sometimes you get nominated, and you go to the parties, and you meet people, and it's... Well, what's the parties like? Uh, a lot of free alcohol. Usually it's sponsored. <laughs> the bigger fest, it's like, you know, Smirnoff vodka, and like you walk into a place, and it's nothing but vodka everywhere. Man. And you walk up, and you're like, "Cool, I'll have a." a you, and you only can get vodka. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, there's whiskey down there. Like, yeah, well, we just forgot to take that out. So wow. it's just a lot of like, you know, the smaller festivals, you get a couple drink tickets, and you know, you just mm. mingle, and you find some rich people to buy you drinks. What's the best fest that you've gone to so far? Uh, short shorts in Tokyo. Whoa, man! What's a film fest in Tokyo like? Uh, a little weird. They make you do community service. What? Yeah, there's one day where like all the filmmakers have to wake up at 8 a.m. and we walk around the city picking up garbage. What? And the first thing you think as a dumb American is there's no garbage in Tokyo. Like everything looks clean. And they teach you like actually you have to reach into the bushes because Japanese people are very shameful of of littering. So literally they, they just start pulling. It? They yeah. hide the litter They're in <laughs> bushes. It's, it's amazing. Wow. I love the idea that. It's not that they don't litter at all. It's that they have to put it like, okay, if no one looking, I can put this. <laughs> like, it's so much work just to not throw your trash in a trash can. Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. And the one part, we were walking along this, this beautiful park, and we're all, there's like the side bushes going up a hill. And we're just reaching in there, grabbing trash. And the one guy walks up and goes, no, 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 snakes in there. And we're like, Whoa. oh, cool. Man, so, yeah. Japan. What is the film festival like, though? Other than the community service, uh, it was it was pretty amazing. All the screenings were pretty sold out. Yeah. Say like two hundred some people per screening. Uh, the awards ceremony was like the biggest thing I've seen. It was like the Academy Awards. Wow. They had this huge like two thousand person theater. They had all these celebrities come out and like it was hosted. All these light shows. It was, it was that, pretty epic. Is that like the biggest shorts festival? Uh, it's up there. It's an yeah. Academy qualifying festival. Wow. Now. I uh, when I looked at your IMDb, it, it, it seems like uh, you've worked mostly on shorts. Is that is that? Fair? Yeah, majority of the films are shorts. Yeah. Okay. I um, one of the things I hate about that is that I couldn't find a lot of those movies. I started like looking for them and I couldn't find them. And I was like, I need to watch some of my man's movies because I don't know what to be like. Oh, because like, how many productions have you worked on now? Uh, I think my IMDb is up to like 30 credits yeah. or something. I can't wow. have... The fact that you would be on here, you have 30 credits, and I'm like, so, uh, never seen anything <laughs> that you've been a part of, so, you know... I, I could have sent you a link. Ah, we should have... We yeah, should have asked. Oh, man. I think, we, I think we talked about that when we first talked about it, and then we never followed up. Just oh. like his address? Yeah, it's exactly. True. Yeah, that happened. But me. you watched Before I Disappear, which is based on our short film Curfew. Right. That's what. I, so that's what I was getting to was like I did find something, which is uh, have you worked? Uh, are there other full links you've worked on besides like feature links besides? Uh... Uh, yeah, we just 
we just sold a film called Sydney Hall to A24 actually. Which oh yeah, so I saw Four. that on wow. your I saw that on your yeah. IMDb, but I was yeah, I figured it was. So new. that was the biggest film I've worked on probably. Okay. That was the one where I was like, oh, everyone's union, and I'm just this guy who works with the director, and kind of wow. like had to find my way in pre-production. Sure, sure, sure. So it was a it was an interesting learning curve for me. Well, tell me about before we get to that. Let's talk about before I disappear since I actually watched it. <laughs> I'm just saying I got a chance to see it and. Besides the fact that I really liked it, it was you weren't just on set. You're in that movie, like with Rob Perlman. If people watch earlier. the film, they will see you, especially in the Chinese food scene. Yeah, won't ruin it for you, but if you see the film, <laughs> <laughs> don't. So, what was that like? Both being on set and being a part of that production, but also getting to be on camera. Uh, I mean, that whole movie was kind of a roller coaster for us because we made the short film Curfew in 2012. We won the 2013 Academy Award and immediately went into shooting the feature. Wow. So it was kind of like, oh, we we're just a bunch of friends making films. And all of a sudden, yeah. someone's paying for us to make this feature. And I was like, all right, here we go. And then I, uh, I jumped on the set. Obviously, I'm just meeting everyone, trying to figure out what to do. And then one day, the director, Sean's like, hey, Bear, come here. Walks me into this. Uh, you know, the, the opening scene where like there's the bathroom yeah, and the girl. Totally. Yeah. He walks me in there and he's like, hey, this is Ron Perlman. Like, meet him. He's like, you're going to be in the scene with him. I'm like, you're an asshole. <laughs> so I like how they're just like, who do we know who looks like they'd randomly be in the club before it opened with Ron Perlman? <laughs> oh, yeah, come over here. Hey, well, Bear, yeah, get over here. He knew I was a fan because in pre-production, we were looking at like who to cast, and Ron Perlman's name came up, and I was like, dude, we got to get Ron Perlman. No way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he walked me in. He's like, you're going to be in the scene with Ron Perlman. The first thing is like we discover this dead girl and Ron Perlman kind of freaks out. And I, it's my first time in a movie scene. And sure. he just like slams the guy against the thing and smacks the door. And, you know, my, I was supposed to leave. And I ran the fuck out because I was like, I can swear, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I just ran out of the room. It was so real to me. Like he just, he yelled and had so much passion in his voice. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. This, this, I'm done with this. I, that's the thing. Like I wouldn't, I would be worried to meet Ron Perlman. Because I feel like he would immediately fuck with me, and then I'd be like, "Is he fucking with me? What's going on? I can't tell." Because he's so there. He's you know? a beast. His yeah, arms yeah. are the boy. size of my head. <laughs> Anu Unrama. <laughs> I love that you know the fucking <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're such I'm so, nerds. I love him. Hey, all right, we're talking about Ron Perlman. So you're in the scene, and then you, you then are in another scene with Ron Perlman, and you know he, when he's like addressing you, like. I just, I, I, I have to ask this, and this is so, like, naive, I don't know much about movies, whatever. Is there some part of you that just wants to laugh that he's, you're even in the room with Ron Perlman, that he's like, uh, you guys want to give me a sec with our man here? I'd be like, ha, 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 Ron Perlman. <laughs> you were in City of Dreams, or City of Lost Children, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, to me, at that point, it was more about not eating all the Chinese food in front of me. Sure, Because our, sure. our props girl was like, Look, we have no money. You guys have to eat very slowly. And we didn't know we were doing 18-hour day at the time. So it was kind of like less focused on the fact that he was going to tell me to get up and more focused on like, all right, we have a budget. I can't eat this food fast. And like I have to get up gracefully. And there's a camera. We had a 360 dolly going yeah, around. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I got to not look like an idiot. So that's what I was more concerned with. Because at that a, point. Is there a real danger that you could just trip over the dolly tracks? Yes. Gives me anxiety. It I gave, know it's so much it, to manage. It man. gave me anxiety when I was watching the uh, the Nick 
cave movie, right? And they're filming, and, and everyone's staying still. And some part of me is thing. watching that, going, "I would fucking trip on that shit." Yeah, I would yeah. definitely trip on that shit. <laughs> yeah, and then you have a lot of angry grips because they spend so much time like making sure it's even, and it was 360. So it was a whole thing to do, and we had a whole light rig because in that scene, like the lights shut off, and it goes mm-hmm. into like a surreal sort of thing. So that was all built in. So if I tripped on that dolly, I think our DP probably would have killed me. <laughs> so the, okay so what what how long ago was that production uh we shot that in summer of 2013 so that was at this point about four years ago yeah. almost four years ago has your role on sets changed or has are you still doing the same sorts of things like i'm just trying to give people your average person listening to this podcast no matter how much they love movies most of them have never been on a set let alone been part of a production so like you know how has your role sort of uh, changed or stayed the same over time? And what sorts of things are you doing on set to like help a production happen? Uh, I think my role's changed a bit more. Uh, I definitely, after that first shoot, I started getting into like location managing and yeah. stuff like that. So I did some commercials, jumped on some other people's movies, did some you know, stuff like that, which is getting away from production side. You're more like learning how you re- like you have to act with the regular person and the movie shoot and you're kind of the in-between so it sucks a lot more and the days are even longer because you're the first person in last person out so i kind of got into that world on top of you know i still produce short films and you know we just shot another short with the same guy that did before i disappear so that's kind of doing its festival run as well and on that shoot i kind of just did it all in terms of production locations running the budget uh so yeah things are changing does it i mean i think what is also to me very similar to the music world and probably punk specifically, but I think a few music, is a lot is a lot of this happening for you because of relationships. Like you're not, are you like sending a resume to just people doing productions and hoping they they want you on their movie, or is it like now people know you because you've met them either on set or at festivals and they're going, I need someone else on set to help this happen. I'm gonna hit up Brendan, you know. All relationships. Yeah. I would have no career if I didn't, if people didn't like me. <laughs> unfortunately, that must be why I don't have a career doing anything. No one likes me. That's no, fine. You want me to help you with your resume? Yeah, please. Actually, that would it be works great. really well. <laughs> All those classes in college about figuring it out. Yeah. Just go meet people. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, not that I don't want to. If you're in film school right now, I'm not going to make you feel bad. But it does seem like a lot of actually executing in that world. Not that it doesn't involve technical know-how or all those things. All those things are involved, but a chunk of it is just being a person that other people want to be around, and so that they invite you to be a part of their project. And some of those projects go places, some of them don't. But if you get invited to be on a project and it blows up, then that's your next step. It's not because you like sat there and figured out like this is my calculated next move yeah. in the film world. Exactly. <laughs> same with touring. Like I wouldn't be able to tour if people didn't like me. Sure. If I was a shithead on a bus and like woke everyone up every day, no one would want to tour with me. Instead, I'm quiet and I'll take the whatever bunk you want. Sure. And it's a great little time and I get my work done. What was the first band that you went on tour with that you weren't? Did you ever tour in a band? No. Okay. I played drums for a while, but it kind of fizzled out in college when I decided I wanted to make money. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's how a lot of people sort of fizzle yeah. out of that world. Uh, but what was the first band that you went on tour with in support? Uh, I went on tour with this band called Stella Star, 
Okay. It's a New York indie rock band. Okay. Um, that's when I met Sean. He was the lead singer, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I was guitar teching for them. Our front of house I was interning with at an analog studio. Uh, his name's Darren Morsey, who is now our composer. Oh, sure. So, so it's all like a weird, inclusive scene then for you. Very weird, inclusive, yeah. Can you tell all these people, by the way, about Cinepunks? I It's just funny because, like, <laughs> as you talk about, like, uh, you know, your experiences, like, oh, when I got involved because they were doing movies, I do find that there is a relationship. It, it, it just seems like sometimes we're, like, really selling the concept because we interact with either people in music who are, like, movies are cool, I guess, or people who are, like, film, especially less, I think, in production. I think in film criticism and film fandom mm-hmm. there are a lot more people who ignore music because they're so obsessed with movies that they don't actually have time to be involved in another thing like they're so dug in so when we talk about music i mean granted some of it's because they don't like the music we talk yeah. about but even if we included some of the stuff that they care about they're just not at that level so it's really interesting to hear from you a little bit more of like well at least a chunk of the people you're interacting with making movies or people also have experience in producing or being a part of music in some way yeah definitely um i guess uh to explain what you're saying like when i tour with bands it's it's interesting to teach them about like the the side of indie movies yeah because a lot of them are fascinated they're like so you like produce movies like what does that mean and then a lot of times when i'm on the road i'm also like finishing up a like delivering a film because we're going to premiere somewhere and people are just like wait why are you waking up at 9 a.m like we, we went to bed at four. I'm like, well, I got to deliver this movie and I'm on the road. So like you kind of, you teach the music people about that. And then when you want to film shoot, a lot of them are just like, you tour with that band. Oh, I love that band. And they kind of go into sure. this like, oh my God. So it's that kind of vibe on movies or they just don't have no idea you're talking about, which happens all the time. Yeah. Like I was, I was like, when I was out with Father John Misty and I was talking to people, I'm like, well, this guy's kind of blowing up, but no one knew who he was on a movie shoot. Oh, it was wow. kind of weird. Yeah. But with working with uh, Sean Christensen, it's it's interesting because he came from music. Yeah, he had you know they were signed to RCA. They had a few, you know, decently selling albums. They had bigger tours. Uh, the Killers opened up for him on like one of their first tours. Wow! Whoa. So it was cool to see him just go from, yeah, I'm kind of done doing the movie thing or done doing the music thing. Let me, you know, he started writing scripts and selling them, and then he's like. I want to prove I can direct. And then it just kind of moved from this music thing into this movie thing. And it was kind of magical to me. And that's why I appreciate working with him because he gets both sides. Yeah. He gets like, he, he understands like, you know, why I still want to go out and tour. And then, you know, we'll reconnect once a year and be like, cool, let's go shoot a short film and like, just be friends and just do this cool thing. So that's really cool. Do you know about the cross section with Cinepunks in the, in the movies? No, tell me. Liam was in Creed. Oh, Jesus Christ. The most Philadelphia movie ever. Liam O'Donnell was in there. You could see him. There's a crowd shot, and then you see... No, you barely see it. You see, like, my shirt. It's great. It's not me. It's the best part of the movie. I'm just a... a Holds the whole movie together. I fucking hate you so much. Do you you have the screenshot? No, I don't. (laughs) I really should. And just show people and be like, there I am. There I am. I mean, I do it with Ron Perlman. I'll be like, yeah, here's the time I was in a Ron Perlman scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to keep going, but I did want to say one more thing sort of related to that. Um, when you are in those spaces, I was so I was originally listening to uh, Turn Out a Punk. They had Jake Fogelnest on, and he was talking mm. about how it gets tiring sometimes, feeling like uh, you have to translate something. Like, like 
there are a lot of people familiar with the music or even specifically the punk world involved in entertainment. But then sometimes you find yourself in a room where everyone thinks they know what they're talking about, but you are like, no one here knows what they're talking about, about that. <laughs> does that get, does it ever get tiring translating or, or explaining to people or helping them? Or is it like still kind of fun to be like, Oh yeah, I go on tour with bands or, Oh, I went to shows or, you know what I mean? Like is, is there some, difficulty translating there or are you just kind of like no it's cool i don't mind talking about it it's whatever yeah i think i'm a little over translating things but yeah. also i don't know i just kind of tell them to fuck off <laughs> they don't understand what's going on <laughs> that's that likability thing you were talking about oh earlier. yeah i, I like well, that I mean, it's pretty good <laughs> i've i've once was quoted i was once re-nicknamed after bear as being the summarizer because i'll sit there and i'll listen to people complain and whine about everything for like five minutes and I'll say one word and everyone will just shut up or laugh or like the whole situation is just solved. So that's wow. kind of what I do when people ex- like they're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm like, well, you're just I don't, fuck off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, so I think we should start with our regular feature. Sure. Our trademarked feature of this podcast. <laughs> and that is whacking on track. Yes. I feel like we need more <laughs> trademark features of this podcast. Just so we I can like do... that Whacking on Track is the one thing, though. Yeah. That stayed with us through 64 episodes. Well, we never came up with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that true. we want to do every episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we yeah. used to kind of do that about the hype thing at the end, but we ran out of things to get to, hype about. Well, I mean, and then, like, you know, timelines and all that stuff, we get hyped and stuff. And then by the time the episode drops, everything's already done, so on and so forth. That's like, happened quite a few yeah, times. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. But Whacking on Track stands tall. So, as the guest, <laughs> you get to determine, would you like to go first or last in Whacking on Track? Uh, I can go first, sure. Let's do it. Okay. Go uh ahead. I guess on track for me, I just got back from uh, Vaughn, Canada, which is right outside of Toronto. I was there for Vaughn International Film Festival. Uh, very, it's a, it's a young fest, but uh, I went up there. Uh, we basically had a sold out screening, 360 people to see our short film, Cul-de-Sac. Whoa. So wow. That's really feel awesome. Yeah, the dudes did it right up there, uh, Antonio and Mark. They really had a – it was well put together. The awards ceremony was, like, similar to short shorts, but, like, Italian mob style. It was, like, everyone sat at a table. They served you a course. They gave out an award, served you another course. Some weird guys would walk around and, like, look like they wanted money from you. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then uh, the Pink Power Ranger was there. I got to meet her. What? The original. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a cool time. I met a lot of I met a filmmaker from Belgium who who won the festival. Actually, his short was called Nimmer. Uh, but yeah, it was just good to meet a lot of filmmakers from out of town, and good to be in Canada, I guess. That's when awesome. you when you meet other filmmakers in these types of things, you guys like just talk business, like shop talk, or is it like uh, we hey, just man. talk shit on other films, basically? Word. Wow. Like you I start like out that. you start like out that. nice, and like you talk back and forth, you let each other know where you've been, like where what your film's doing. And then when it comes to like 3 a.m. when you've you know been to the free party with the vodka and you're in a room, you're like, let's talk about the other films that showed with ours. And you kind of you go. I mean, there's always some good things. Mm. You're not you're not malice about it, but there are definitely there's a bonding moment when you Where meet someone. Like, Could you believe? And yeah. then it's like that kind of thing. Exactly. But no, it was. <laughs> what was with that one? I'm saying, man, did you see that one? Oh, there. Oh, yeah. I've wow. seen a lot of short films and. There's some great things. Right. I'll just, I'll just, I'll say that. <laughs> That's fair. Totally fair. Be positive. Well, speaking. Were of there which, were there any standout movies from this festival that you were really hyped on? That you were like, holy shit! I don't believe I just saw that. Uh, I didn't really get to see much other than my block. 
because I only mm-hmm. went up, so I only saw like the ten films that was on our shorts block. Um, but no, I mean there were some good ones. Like I said, the festival's young, so they didn't have yeah. a huge amount. They're just kind of like, I think they did like four sold out screenings, four blocks, and then we're like, you know, let's put our money into the into the town and showing what we do and have this really great award ceremony and bring everyone together. So it's kind of what their vibe awesome. was. Cool. Different from Toronto, which is where we premiered our, our film originally, Toronto International. Wow. Which that was That's a, huge, right? Like, yeah, that was really big for us. We we shot this short in 2015. We're like, let's send it to Toronto. And they accepted us. We went up. But that's like a whole different beast. That's, yeah. Unless you're Leonardo DiCaprio, like you're kind of like, oh, you made a short film. Cool. Here, yeah. you, you they sure. just shuffle you along with the other you filmmakers. Can, you can come to this happy hour where there'll be, you know, you get a drink ticket and you got to be out here by seven though. We have another event. So that sort of vibe. Oh, but no, it was still like great to be there. And it was, it was on our wish list. Uh, I think uh, Khan and Berlin Ale are the only other ones we haven't been in. Mm. So wow. go there. that's so cool. It is really cool. I mean, and when you have a movie, oh, we're getting away from whacking on track. I know. I'm sorry. One question and then we'll get back to whacking on track. When you have a short like that, like what's the next? Like you, you take it to certain festivals. Is there like a next step? Like shorts don't. It seems like shorts don't often have like a home video life. But are there streaming services you can get on? Like what is sort of the okay? We've been at this and this festival. Where does it go somewhere next, or is it like let's just move to the next project? Uh, yeah, with this short, uh, we brought on a, a distributor called Watt Media. It's actually okay. in Toronto. Uh, they had our last short curfew. Did really well. Basically, they break deals with like European TV channels, like to buy oh, shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow! Asian streaming services. Um, we're on three airplanes right now with Cul-de-sac. What? So we're on Air Canada, United, and God damn man, Virgin. That shit is crazy. So, I mean, it's all small deals, but it's cool to do that. And then uh, we're actually going to release our short on Amazon Prime in October. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. I know that there were some short films on Fandor, but I didn't know if there were other, if shorts make their ways on the other yeah. services yeah. or not. Amazon's like teaming up with, uh, in this case, we played Tribeca Film Fest as well. So sure. they're teaming up with Tribeca and doing like a, a three-month sponsored Tribeca block on Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. So we're going to be a part of that. There's like a whole to-do about it. I, I got to look at the paperwork, but should be up October 1st. Yeah. Very cool. That's Very awesome, cool. man. Um, do you have anything... Whack. Uh, yeah, I saw Alien yesterday. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> Not into it. It was good. Everything about it was good. There was just some like storyline stuff that like completely took me out of like like the one part. I don't. I don't want to spoil no, anything. But listen, we don't. We we're fine with spoiler culture. It's totally cool. We addressed hey man, it the last episode. Things are going to get spoiled on here. Yeah. So if it's you don't totally like fine. it, bye. Yeah. So I guess basically it's a little like passengers, like. You know, so they they have to wake up because some things happen to the ship. They all get together, repairing the ship, and then Kenny Powers hears like a radio transmission <laughs> while they're out repairing it. Comes back in, he starts. He's like, "Oh, that's John Denver." He starts humming it, and then the one guy's like pulls this planet up where the signal's coming from, and he's like, "Oh, this planet is like everything we want. It's like Earth." And then the new captain, because the other guy died, it's like, James "Yeah, let's Franklin. go." Like let's just go. It's like you're you have two thousand people on that and sixteen hundred embryos and you're like, Yeah, let's just go land on this planet, why not? And yeah, it's like a split second better. decision. Well they do that because also they don't want to go back into cryo sleep, which is like, dude, you're supposed to be asleep for seven more years. Yeah, but what's a like you're in a cryo sleep. You're gonna yeah. not gonna notice it. See, my okay. 
everybody in in my in Solarized hates this movie. <laughs> I liked it, and I've seen it twice already. Look, I liked it. Twice, that was just one twice, little twice, two times. Now, granted, it has its problems. There's a lot of timeline issues in it. There's a lot of like so in the time that they're like, we have to get off of this planet. The fucking D- uh, David, did you see it yet? No, I did not. Oh. I guess I ruined it for yeah, you. Yeah, dude. No, I don't care. You don't care? Okay. I mean, here we go. There's supposedly a big thing at the end. There's a sh- thing. Can I say it I or no? No, you don't need to see say the thing. Well, no, but you I can mean, just say you don't like the thing. But okay. that thing was obvious to me. I knew that was happening the, well, 20 minutes okay, for the movie. There's end. that. But then there's the issue of the timeline wherein like they have to get off this plant then like the dude gets stuck with the face sucker and then the fucking alien comes out. And then it's full grown between the time that they're supposed to get picked up and leave, which is like hours. So you're like, so wait a minute. You mean tell me this shit is like instantaneous now? And so that was like, I don't know. There's a lot of issues like that with with me for the movie. Like timeline stuff was fucked up. I do like the fact, though, that they corrected a lot of weird things I thought was wrong with Prometheus. And that was in in the story writing of the characters. Did they correct the thing with Prometheus where they were running from the spaceship and then no one thought to run in a different direction so the spaceship didn't fall directly on them? Well, it doesn't happen in this movie. But I'm just saying, nothing that happened in this movie (laughs) fixed that part of Prometheus, which I was watching in theater going, no one thinks to run to the... Like, as the spaceship falls, it's casting a shadow. And they're running in the shadow (laughs) going, well, if we run far enough... And I'm like... Why wouldn't you just turn to the right and run away from the shadow? But no one thinks to do that. And I'm watching it going, I don't understand this movie. It's like running from a bear. You don't run straight. You run in a zigzag. <laughs> I'm just saying, if a building's well, falling on me, I don't go, I bet I can outrun this building. Right. I go, I'm, I'm going to go, go over, over that way. Yeah. Buildings don't choose one place to fall. I'm not going to be there. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, the main issue I had with Prometheus was that like, the character writing was really lazy. Right, like you yeah, had the one fair. dude with yeah, the yeah, mohawk yeah. and the head tattoos, and he's the despondent he's like, scientist. I'm the angry guy. Yeah, and he like howls, like I don't know, all that stupid shit. In this movie, I felt as though even though they didn't do for every character, which is also a problem, they did take the time to develop actual characters and not just like have them be like, sure. oh, he's got the face tattoo. Yeah. Obviously, he's mean. You know it's what true. I mean? Like that kind of shit. I did. I mean, if you if you look at the first Alien movie, there's only like five characters in it. This one has like 14 people in it. Some people are just there to die. Like, oh, hey, this guy's going to push this button, then later he's going to get his face ripped off. That's it. That's all you get. So, I don't know. There was good acting, too. Like, Catherine Waterston's really good in it. I thought she was really good. She too. killed it. And Kenny Powers was good. I mean, he really it was, was a good man. role for him. Yeah. The one part where he tried to cry was a little funny. But other than that, yeah, it was good. Because <laughs> it's like Kenny Powers. I actually think he works as a dramatic actor because his comedy is all about the content. Like, Half the time when he's in a quote-unquote comedic role, he's actually playing it serious. Yeah. It's just in that context you're going, what the fuck is this yeah. guy doing? <laughs> but like, all you got to do is rewrite the context, and, and he does the same thing. And you're thing like, is now oh, working. yeah, all right. Oh, I'm feeling you on this. You <laughs> know Danny I mean? McBride, man. Big I, fan. I, I, Big think, fan. I, think uh-huh. he's, I think he's good. So I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm... I'm literally only going to see it so that I can have an informed opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not... I didn't see a single trailer and thought, oh, that looks compelling. I should watch that. I thought, yeah, that's a thing. It's just not mm-hmm. really for me. I'm watching it at some point. I mean, I can't not... I've seen every Alien. Yeah, movie. what are you going to not it. watch this one? I'm going to watch it at some point, but am I going to go to the theater? Probably not. But... Did uh, you like the look of it, Brendan? Did you think it looked Yeah, cool? yeah. It looked really good. 
Like, I don't know, maybe I was just too excited after seeing the trailer as opposed to you. I was Did like, you watch oh, this that, is gonna the, be. the prelude, that weird four-minute thing where James Franco is sick and then he's like, no. oh. yeah, there's like a weird prelude thing that was on YouTube and it's them giving the toast before they go into the initial cryosleep. And it's the only time you see James Franco in it except for the scene where he's in it, right? And like, it, it, it's like the entire basis of the emotional weight of the movie is handled in this preamble that isn't in the movie. And you're like, so... I'm not into that. I mean, it was a bummer, and then, like, I was glad that I had watched it before I watched the movie initially, but also it's just like, why the fuck would you not put the shit in there? And I mean, I guess it's going to be like another one of those Ridley Scott releases where there's an extra director's cut with 37 minutes of extra footage it didn't make into the theater and all that shit, and all this will be explained, but... Man, whack, though, huh? That goes right in the whack category well, for you? F- in terms of this week, oh, right. I mean, if we're fair talking about the fair. last month, I can go into something different. <laughs> that was no. fresh in my mind. So. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Josh, huh? although you did just talk for a lot of this I know, thing, it's fine. Dude, but no what poor is, boundaries. do you have a whacking on track? On track, I was a guest on the Kid Goggles podcast this past Sunday. Sure. That was pretty cool. I got to talk about Big Trouble in Little China. So and, Kid uh, Goggles is like a we they go back and rewatch stuff that they liked when they were younger. Uh yeah, well the premise is that you go and you talk about a movie that meant a lot to you as a child and then sure. like you we talk about it and then you say if you're an adult and you see this for the first time would you like it? Sure. Now, average age of this show Everybody's like 27 years old. One person that was on the show, Miss Stacy, she was like, I've actually never seen this movie before. And I was like, sweet baby Jesus, can you imagine achieving almost 30 years old with never seeing Big Trouble in Little China? Just seems foreign to me. I don't know. I mean, I think that's just an age thing. Like, we, yeah. it was, at least for people our age, it was on TV constantly. Yeah, if you had like USA. If you it was had on every other if twenty you minutes, had cable it was yeah. on TV. I mean, even UHF it was on. Like yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, yeah. In that case, it's hard for me to imagine missing it. But I wonder if you are younger, like twenty seven. Yeah, was it on as much, or do you have exposure not, to man. it? Yeah. I don't know. I, it, I honestly, I've seen it like one time when I was little. Really? Wow. Yeah, I've rewatched it too many times. I watch it like every, you know. Every quarter, I'm not, I'm not quite, <laughs> I'm not once. quite at that point, but I've definitely seen it a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really fun. Those guys are really awesome, and they're really hyped on uh, on doing the show. And it was, uh, I felt pretty honored to be on the show with them. So that was yeah? pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I felt good. Like you know, no one's asked me to do shit like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. by the way, if you're listening to this, Josh would like to guest on. I'm your totally show. a cool guest, man. Really fun and affable. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. The other thing that happened was that was on track was um. Uh, let me. Oh yeah, Solarize got interviewed for by WXPN. How so did that go? I I had this initial plan that I was just going to stand behind Alex and let him all, answer all the questions, and I was going to wear sunglasses, like Terminator X style, just stand there and fold my arms, just be upset. You do seem like Terminator X. I'm so I'm so tough, so yeah, tough. Yeah. But um, no, we uh, it was cool. We we met in West Philly with um a gentleman whose name escapes me right now. I'm sorry, but um, we got to talk. That was the first time, like, or well, yeah, it was the first time someone met us up to to interview us and. I've been doing bands for a long time, but typically the only I only do the kind that no one likes. So like no one ever wants to be like, "Hey man, let's talk. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. talk about let's your... talk about the inspiration for your band." <laughs> yeah, never ever happened. So that was the first time that's ever happened to me. So that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so that was on track. Uh, whack. Um, I'm gonna give. I, I saw Baywatch last night. Now, on its face, that already seems like a s- kind of sketchy, wonky proposition. That said. I was prepared to just enjoy myself for two hours and just sit there I off feel, with the I brain. Feel, I feel like you're a bit of a mark for The Rock. I like The Rock? Yeah. Who doesn't like The Rock? Some people don't like The Rock. He's got a lot of muscles. 
Yeah, that movie could have been called Six Pack Abs and Boobies. <laughs> that's all that movie. The, I mean, that's basically what it is, right? Like, you're watching all these, like, jumbles and, you know, Six bubbles. Six Pack Abs and Boobies. Yeah, that, that's what it could have been. And, and I was fine with it. I was on board. I'm not, like, a Baywatch fan. You know what I mean? It's not like I was like, oh, man, I love this show. Can't wait for the movie adaptation. But um, there's, like, one transphobic joke in there that, like, it took me right out of the movie, like way out. I was like, hold on. So you mean tell me in all this jokey, jokey stuff, like, which is fine. You're going to go back to this joke. And it's like, you know, they're trying to like sneak onto like a thing. And they're like, yeah, let's dress in incognito. And um, Zach Efron comes dressed like as a woman. And that's the joke that he's wearing like women's clothes, which to me is like, dude, like, all right. Neighbors too. Did you see neighbors too? No. Okay. <laughs> Saw the trailer. Josh, so Josh has defended it on this show. I have times. because it's a weird movie wherein it's like inclusive of a lot of things, and in that is like you know just it just feels seamless. I would go. I, I would disagree with you, but I haven't seen it yet, and right. I know other people have said the same thing that they went in being like this is going to be awful, and then it isn't. Surprisingly, not. And then to see this in in Baywatch, I'm like, oh, so that was just kind of a fluke that you had nothing to do with. It's just still... it does seem a little tone deaf, uh, right? In in today's climate, to just be like throw this in, this will be good, yeah. And it unnecessary. It, it'd be one thing if that was like a ne- like oh, it really the plot needs him to wear a dress right now. <laughs> yeah, no, this is he could have worn a happen. chicken outfit, and it would have been the same funny thing, like the same joke would have been told. Yeah. Wouldn't have been as sexy. Wouldn't have been as sexy because let me tell you something about that Zac Efron. He has like not a six pack. He has like eight of them shits. It is weird. It is weird that my man is in a movie with The Rock, (laughs) and his character is the one who's an athlete. Right. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? So couldn't The Rock eat you? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. So that's whack. I mean, the the rest of the movie was okay, but like when something like that happens to me, like when it's like that one beat that misses for me, it bums me out, and I have a hard time like enjoying the rest of it. Well, I think that's particularly true in comedy. Like, I think when you're in a more dramatic film, not everything works, but it, it doesn't. Uh, this is just my feeling. I don't want to say this is universal, but yeah. in my experience, when you have a note that's really off in a, in a comedy, it can actually set it off more. Whereas in, I'm just more forgiving of a drama where it's like, oh, I didn't like that part. I can maybe flow with the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. When you have a f- comedy, especially one that is otherwise pretty funny, but it has like one or two moments that are either uh, rub you the wrong way mm-hmm. in some way, or they're just like, painfully dumb and not funny or they just like what for whatever reason that moment takes you out of the movie yeah it sours it more for me than it would for another kind of film and i don't know why yeah. that is whereas like i can be forgiving of all kinds of idiocy in a horror film right if the film overall works for a horror film and the concept overall works mm-hmm. and there's a couple things in it that don't click i'm like it's fine I mean, granted, maybe that's because I don't need as much from it. Like, yeah, you don't expect to as make much me from laugh. It. A comedy really has to be doing it, right? It has to be working hard. Yeah, firing on all cylinders. But, but then, like, in, see, but also like in Passengers, Passengers, I hated because of that one moment, because that one weird beat, and you're just like, man, this movie is fucking awful. Again, and, it's just so toned. Like, why would why is that what we did? Why yeah. is that a good thing? I don't know. It's fucking weird, man. But yeah, so that's what I got. All right. Uh, I don't want to take too long, so I'll just jump in really quick with uh, my waxing on tracks. Waxing on tracks. (laughs) Waxing on tracks. Wax on, wax (laughs) (laughs) on. Jesus. I just realized Mm -hmm. I haven't been to the movies in so goddamn long. Wow. It's been a while. I, I feel like... What was the last thing I saw that we even talked about on here? Oh, I got one more on track. I forgot about it. 
You always do this. I know. This is how every See, this is why I have to track. go last. What? So you can just go for an hour? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I saw Open City and um, Reviver on Monday night. Oh, yeah. How was that? Open City are the best Philadelphia hardcore band right now. Yeah? They are so fucking good. Do you like that band? I don't think I've worked the show yet. It's Yemen's new band. Oh, okay. okay. Dude, yeah. I will watch those dudes do anything. Straight yeah. up. They are so fucking good. I mean, I like the recording, but I haven't seen them live yet. The live, I mean, Dan had a broken foot because apparently he dropped the weight on it. Sure. I don't know what type of gamma irradiated thing that, that that guy does, but he dropped the weight on his foot so he had to play with a boot on. Sure. And still, man was killing it. He was stomping around with his boot. Dude, that that band is so fucking good. Did that I, record is amazing. Did I uh did I talk about Colossal in the last episode? No, you did not. Oh, I think that's the last thing I actually saw in the theater. It's guys, I'm still watching movies. It's not like I'm not watching movies. It's <laughs> You're just, just parenting and watching I'm just, movies. Yeah, now. I'm parenting and it's hard to get to the movies to get uh, us. We don't understand cuz we don't have children, but I'm sure to the 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 breeder population of our listenership. Okay, you guys <laughs> get it. You guys riffed on me for so long <laughs> on that so funny last episode. Too. I listened to just that too. One hundred, still hilarious. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Half the time, people were like, "Yo, that was so funny," and the other half of the time, people were like, "That was pretty fucked up," and I did not like it. And not just breeders. Like people who don't have kids were like, right. "Yo, I was, I got really fucking mad." Like, are you okay? And I was like. Yeah, I'm okay. They're assholes. And they're like, yeah, but there's like asshole and then there's like asshole. Like people were like mad. And I was like, it's cool, guys. I'm I'm tough. I can handle it. Were they mad at me or Andy? Both of you. Oh, snap. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I still think it was a little bit funny, but it also hurt. Anyways, <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to get this stuff, but I did. We did make an effort to see Colossal and I really liked it. And you I meant to it. talk about it. I don't think I got a chance to. I meant to talk about it. And I think it's gotten some pushback because it's not what people wanted it to be. Or, well, it's marketed or that, in a really weird way. And I think the politics, or maybe not, it's not even political per se, but like the sort of message is a little bit like right out front. And mm. some people don't like that, but I like it a lot. So I was into it. Um, and then I finally saw The Void. Oh. I think I'm on track with that. I th- that's like almost like a middle for me. Right. I liked most of it, but I didn't. There are parts of it I really didn't like. What parts did you like really dislike? Because that's a little bit more interesting to me than uh, parts that you did like. Because most people like the carpenterisms and all that stuff, but like the uh, stuff that you didn't like, that's there, what I, I don't know. like. I don't think it was necessary to have no actual characters. Mm-hmm. But there's no characters in the film. Right. There's definitely the no characters. The film is a, is, is a variety of scenarios, all of which are compelling. It's almost but, like an exquisite corpse of horror movies that we all love. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Even beyond that, though, I think uh, I think references to other horror movies were there are things in this movie that have never been in other horror movies okay. that, I, that I think are unique to this that draw from other sources, maybe from comic books or from Lovecraft or from whatever, that I thought were like unique things. Mm-hmm. But I really do think, and I, and I think this is not a universal idea, that no matter how sick and cool your visuals are for your horror movie, it's better if there's at least one character that I'm like, oh, Okay, that person. You, that know? you can like hold on to. Yeah, that, like, and this, this film to. has no one. There is no one. And the worst for me is that all of there's not one engaging female character. So like if the movie was about male relationships, like well, it's a movie about fathers and sons. It's a movie about male friendships or whatever. But there is no relationships in this movie. And every dude gets to do things and every woman gets to be like, oh my God, what? 
Yeah. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh my I'm God. dead! Oh, oh, am I dead now? Oh, oh no. my God! Oh, I, I oh, I'm I, carrying a baby. I'm oh my up, God! I'm upset about the evil God. Oh, I serve the evil God. Like, but none of them do anything. And <laughs> right, like, right, right. that was kind of like, yo, like, and what's weird when horror movies make these decisions, it's like, well, you know, they're not giving into modern ideas. Yo, like. Didn't we figure this out back with like Alien or what? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like there can be a strong. If you female actually, character. if you actually take a broader view of horror movies, horror movies have had lots of strong female characters, or at yeah. least they don't have to be strong in the sense of strong, but the female characters that do things and are active and have like a little that aren't just just, just a little bit of depth. And right. every single one of these female characters was like, "I'm here to be in danger. <laughs> I'm here to be pregnant. Ooh, and then I'm evil." Like, there's no one to you know. Whereas like the dudes, again, they weren't characters, but at least they got to have agency that and they be did. active yeah. and like, "I'm really mad now." Like the one guy, like all he did was be mad the whole yeah, movie, just like fight. And but stuff. at least he was mad. Like at least he was a thing that like was needed for the film. You know. So, anyways, I I was mixed. On the other hand, I will 100. That sounds like i didn't like the movie all the visual stuff really works yeah it really is unique in a lot of ways Did you like all the tentacle stuff did you like love all the, the fucking stuff? tentacle yeah. stuff love the monsters it really just needed someone to come in on a script rewrite and go let's add i actually story. think it could have been a little bit of a longer movie it was like only 80 something minutes right yeah it's less than an hour and a half and then there's no characters i'm like yo stretch out a little bit stretch your wings and <laughs> give me some 90 minutes let's get a little bit of like a breakfast scene <laughs> a conversation somewhere there's just not enough there to latch on to outside of tentacliness tentacliness <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean i've been keeping up with trying to watch stuff but it, you know it's whatever's available at home or right. shows up on the plex and that's it so fair Nothing, Any, nothing too anything super. whack that you've done? Wait, Colossus, go. Oh, right. So I thought Colossus was actually well-written, and I didn't mind that the politics were right up front. Right. You know, what it's about is like right in your fucking face, and I think that really bummed some folks out, that it wasn't more subtle. Or what whatever. was it about? I didn't see it. Oh, it's... It's Anne Hathaway, right? That's the one with her in it? Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know... Because there's you know, another movie called Colossal that's out now. No, that's the one with Anne Hathaway. There's another one though that's has the same title, but is not about that, and it's a different movie altogether. Who? What? I don't even know. What I'm you're quite sure about. there is because I've seen ads and I've been really seeing promo for another movie called Colossal that is not wow. that movie. Yeah. W- which one did you see? The one with Anne Hathaway, the Nacho Vigalondo movie. Yeah, there's one that's like about a news reporter called Colossal that I haven't seen. Jesus Christ! I haven't seen either of them. It's really weird that you would have the same like I, I'm used to like similar concepts existing at the same time. Yeah, but same but like name. the same name movie. That's yeah. weird. I don't know. Anyways, but anyway, the Anne Hathaway one. Yeah, I you know Nacho Vigalondo. I think he just wanted to make a cheap monster movie. Like he just was like, yeah, I want to make a kaiju movie, but I don't want to spend money, so I need another plot so that the kaiju are in the background because I can't afford a straight kaiju movie. And then just start writing, and then before you know it. He's writing a movie about like male, like like to- toxic masculinity and wow. an abusive relationship and and did alcoholism. you see it, I did not. No, sounds awesome. It's good. I mean, it's I I think a few people went in because they were like monster movie with actors I like. This is going to be funny and fun. And it's like <laughs> is, but it's not. It's more in an indie. It's Nacho Vigalondo. He did. Mm. It's a small budget. He's a small. You know, vision director. He's not like a let's make an epic adventure. He wouldn't even be interested in making an epic adventure. It's just not mm-hmm. who he is. So I think if you went in expecting a Nacho Vigalondo movie, then you would be pleasantly surprised because there's also more... All of his. I actually like almost all of his movies except what for... What else did he direct? 
Time Crimes. Oh, and, yeah. I love Time Crimes. Um, extraterrestrial, but not the one that a lot of people have seen that's actually... There's a there's an extraterrestrial that's actually like an alien horror movie. Yeah. And there's an extraterrestrial that's about a one night stand. But when the guy wakes up in the morning, there's aliens. But you never see the there's just a ship. So then it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, I should leave, but there's like a spaceship outside. So I don't know. And then he made a movie. The only one he made that I don't really like is called Open Windows, mm-hmm. and it's a um, uh, Elijah Wood movie. Uh, Elijah Wood and who's the woman who used to do porn and now she's like a regular actress? Sasha Gray. Yes. And so in the movie, I think she plays a porn actress, but the idea is like uh, it it all happens on the internet. Oh. It was like a conceptual like, hey, I want a contest to like see you in your normal life. And then while he's like interacting with her over the internet, someone's trying to kill her. So he's trying to get to her in real life. But then, is it really happening? It's oh, like wow. it's like a lot of super like super meta. It's super meta. It's super like he just made it all on a laptop, and you're like watching it that way in yeah. a way. Um, and it's got a lot of like Hitchcockian things going on, but only in like a. T- I, I didn't love it. It was. Fun. I mean, I like Elijah Wood, but it was it was not that great. So yeah. I went to Colossal, like maybe not expecting that much, and also knowing Nacho Vigalondo doesn't make giant movies, mm-hmm. and I was very pleased with. I thought the character stuff worked really well and then the kaiju thing is just a funny thing in the background like right oh and there's wow. kaiju that's, that's fun. hilarious yeah it, it you works. know what i think about every time i think of anne hathaway what her brother they're from new jersey i did know that and her brother is on the cover of the vision one in the same record you told me that yeah. yeah it's pretty funny he used to go to shows at manville and all that stuff you know i listened to an interview with her and she all she mentioned I'm trying to think of she. I feel like she mentioned her brother was into music, but she didn't say anything that would make me go, oh, hardcore. You know? <laughs> Sweet. I but it just, just she kept disguise. saying stuff about she kept saying stuff about Jersey. Yeah. And I was like, oh right, she's from Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude used to go to shows all the time, like when we were going to shows in the thick of it, you know? In the thick. Like when we were younger. More idealistic. Well, you're an old man. So. I know. It's so old. <laughs> all right. All uh, right. Well, let's wrap up. I Like I said, I don't have anything meaningful enough for the whack to really get into. Fair. So let's take a quick break. And when, we never even said. When we get back, we are going to discuss the movies of Jeff Nichols. Yeah. Chosen by. Well, let's Before we get, before we take that break, why did, why did you choose Jeff Nichols? Oh, man. Uh, I've been on a. A real kick uh, watching Midnight Special and stuff like that, yeah. and like I wanted to go back and revisit because I never saw Take Shelter. Oh, oh yeah, wow. I just watched that too for this. So I was like, uh, you know, my good friend Damon Russell was like, you know, we've been writing a, writing a script. And he's like, you should watch Take Shelter. Like I think it has a lot. I think we're talking about the same things, but you should watch Take Shelter and we'll figure this out. And I, and I finally got to watch it, and I was like, oh okay, this totally makes sense. Take what shelter. was your entry point with Jeff Nichols? Uh, Mud. Yeah, yeah, us too. No, did you? No, see I saw Take Shelter. I saw Take Shelter at Fantastic Fest in 2010. Oh wow! Ooh. I saw Take Shelter, and we need to talk about Kevin in the same fucking day. Wow, that, that isn't movie. a fucking. Were emotional... you emotionally destroyed? Did I, you have to drink a game? Yo, 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 yo! I saw. First of all, there was a movie that I don't even remember the name of that was even more emotionally crushing. It was. It was so much so that I wasn't sure if I enjoyed it. Right. Then it was. <laughs> then it was Take Shelter. We need to talk about Kevin and. Oh. The Snowtown Murders, which I think oh. is now just called Snowtown. Right. So, like, that was such a brutal Jesus day. Christ. And I, I remember texting my friend TC and being like, yo, you, A, you need to see all these movies. B, I'm so fucking bummed out. <laughs> and he goes, it's true. Often the movies we love do not love us back. Uh, and I was like, yes, so that's sage. very true. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk more about Jeff Nichols and whether his movies love us back. Yeah. In just a few minutes. Very good. 
See you after the break. It's not even a full minute. It'll just be a quick musical break. See you after the break. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> hey, you want to start? Sure. Okay, ready? And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> so here, we're going to have a discussion right now about the movies of Jeff Nichols, right? I wear my Lucera shirt today on purpose. All right. Cause, okay. Because that's my thing. I actually was listening to Lucero all day today because part of what was uh, actually giving me a little bit of anxiety about this um, episode is that, um, dude, I have a hard time connecting with this weird Arkansian poverty that's like prevalent in all of these movies. Yeah, he really has a focus on poor white people. Dude, it's brutal. I mean, it's kind of interesting that the latest movie was Loving, which none of us which did we any didn't, of us watch. Uh, that's the only one I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah, it's the only one I haven't seen. And, and it's interesting because it's technically that poor white people context. Right. But suddenly he's injecting race issues into what is if you see it on its own it's just a standard movie that's telling a story whatever mm. but if you look at it in his filmography it's like oh he injected he's... black people <laughs> it's mostly been missing black people in all of his movies and then suddenly he's like here's a story i could tell boom <laughs> and there you go yeah yeah no i didn't see that one <laughs> i haven't seen it either and it i don't know if it's gonna be any good what do I, do? I heard it's amazing i heard it's like Did really, you, really, really good heard? yeah so i don't know but we watched take shelter Yep. We watched Mud and Midnight Special. Those are, the and that's movies. basically the middle because the only one before that is Shotgun Stories, which right. you also watched. I did, and then which the you only, did too. You watched it also, didn't you? 
I started it and then I didn't get to. I Have watched you, it last night. It's so good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I it's mean, what like I saw, painful. I really liked, but I, you know, I had to watch. I basically had to watch some stuff for Eric Roberts as the fucking man. Right, movies with Eric Roberts in it. Man, yep. God bless you, man. You are a soldier. Well, Can one, I say of, that? one of them was Inherent Vice, and I liked that movie. Oh, so that was right. Okay. But then the other one's really bad. You can hear about it on the next episode of <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Let's keep going. So uh, let's start with that take Liam's sh- on that other show. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sure you haven't actually literally heard because that show. I hear you talk about it on here a lot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's better. So between that and Creed, Liam is a, a man of, uh, of great creative output. Oh, my God. I love it so, so much. So, uh, like I said, Take Shelter, like I said before the break, I saw it at Fantastic Fest, and I was just... I didn't know what to expect going in. I didn't know much about it. I kind of knew who Michael Shannon was a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zod. Zod. He was definitely not Zod yet in 2010. <laughs> um, and it fucking blew me away. So much so that it played later. So that I saw it at Fantastic Fest. And then it played later at the Philadelphia Film Fest back when we were still not. Before we were beefing with the Philadelphia <laughs> right. Film Fest. And, uh, and I remember making. I had something going on where I couldn't go. And I remember saying to Suze and to Michael Voglio, who's living with me at the time, like they had to go see it. And it was one of only two movies I've ever like really been like, I know I can't go and therefore you don't want to go, but you have to go <laughs> see it without me. And she was like 100% like, I'm so glad you made me go see that. Like that was so great. I hated it. Did you not like Take Shelter? Yeah. Yo, let's talk about it. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. well, let's, oh, well, let's start with our guest. Uh, talk about Take Shelter because you, you said already you had to watch it to think about this script but it doesn't necessarily mean you liked it or whatever what are your thoughts about Take Shelter uh, I loved it I really like like there's something beautiful he does with just throwing a camera on a tripod and just sitting in that moment and he sure. lets it go just just a touch longer than the normal person sure which I feel like is a beautiful thing and he says a lot without like Michael Shannon all you have to do is put the camera on him and he says so much Without even having dialogue, and I without really moving that, that upper lip, man, that upper lip uh, that Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon. Got? Yeah, yeah, no, no, not you. He's critiquing you, not you, Bear. Uh, I never thought about it. Do I not move my upper lip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Like I said, it was my first time. My roommate hated the ending. He came in like mid movie, and he's like, "Man, it would have been a great movie until the ending." And I was like, "The ending was kind of. I think it's beautiful. What's he gonna do? End up in a mental hospital like every other sure. movie? Yeah." yeah. But I, uh, I thought you definitely could tell, like, coming from shotgun stories into that movie, like, yeah, he had a little more money, but he didn't shy away from, like, his indie indie spirit. It seems like he has a style that's more refined in Midnight Special, which we'll get to, but yeah. it's definitely very present. It's developing in Take Shelter. Even though it's only his second movie, You see, to me, Take Shelter is very much, like, his movie. It's in his sort of uh, wheelhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the sort of, I mean, the ending kind of makes more of a definitive claim on some of the themes of the movie. Did that work for you? What did you think about this whole conflict between, is it mental health or is it a real experience? What, what were you thinking about some of that? Yeah, definitely the ending kind of kind of takes you out from the rest of the movie when you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's going through this mental breakdown. Like he's, he's, it's in his family, all this is happening. But the ending kind of played a little bit towards the beginning for me. Cause in the beginning I was like, oh, okay. Like some sort of natural disaster is coming before sure. you start yeah. to realize that like, oh, it's in his head. There's something going on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I kind of felt like it worked like in the end. I was like, okay, 
Like, I, I like that kind of this bonding moment with his family, and his family's like, all right, maybe things are going to be okay. Sure. And we're just going to go back to our little shelter, and we're going to ride out the storm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Josh, what you see, so you really didn't like this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like yeah. this. Let's hear what, well, what the again, issue is. I have been soiled for movies involving mental health issues. Oh, okay. Sure. So I deal with this shit every fucking day. Sure. Every single fucking day. Because I work in a mental hospital. Do you know this? Uh, I do now. There you go. So every day I deal with people who have ailments like chronic paranoid schizophrenia that are completely convinced and convicted of these like doomsday scenarios, right? So every day I deal with people that are telling me like, yeah, well, you know, we're all going to die to fucking tomorrow because, you know, X, Y, and Z, the, you know, something told me my shoe said, you know, so on and so forth. And these horrific extrapolations. So in that, and also people who I work with, like people who aren't diagnosed with any type of illness, they have these kinds of like, yeah, I'm going to switch all my money into silver because banks are going to close in six months. Sure. It's yeah. like, really, bro? And the whole thing about it is it's all predicated on the notion that when these things happen, when the drop off happens, they're going to stand over you and be like, I told you so. And that is why this movie to me was irritating because it is the actual cinematic fruition of that finality where it's like oh man i'm having this fucking breakdown and all this stuff but actually he's all right so it feeds into this like paranoia pornography that really it doesn't resonate with me i can't i can't okay. hold on to it because i can't believe like when you start believe feeding into delusions and stuff people don't get better yeah I you know what I mean? So, like, these kinds of movies, movies, or at least this kind of ideology of, like, oh, maybe the one crazy guy is right. Like, that shit is, like, it, it's very difficult for me to get past. Everything up until the end, though, I thought was amazing. Up until that last scene. So, you're definitely someone for whom the end ruined the movie. Ruined the me. whole movie for me. Huh. Yeah. Huh. The whole time. I was like, yo, well, Adivan 2, Haldol 5, you'll be all right. Don't worry about that shit. You know what I'm saying? They put that shit right So you, the whole time you're feeling compassion for him because you feel like he's going through a thing. Well, it felt like more of an indictment of like, this guy needs help and he can't get it. Yeah. Sure. Which yeah. to me feels very Jeff Nichols because, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to make it, navigate it without the money and so on and so forth. And right. You need help, but you can't get it because you're broke, you know? Like, that seems very Jeff Nichols, like, weird, poverty-stricken white Americana to me. And then you get to this end where it, like, takes this weirdo sci-fi leap, which isn't that weird, I guess. But I'm just saying, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, it took me totally out of the thing. That's really interesting. And I, I feel like you're naming the ways that it connected with something like um, because you're coming from a mental health area, you're thinking about that. Yeah. Because of just seeing some of his other movies you're you're thinking about like that context right for me that what's interesting about take shelter in relation to our next two movies mm -hmm. is that you can relate it more to mud yeah in that context or you can relate it more to midnight special yeah melani was like you know what this is exactly the premise of midnight special though Exa that's what and, i'm saying like and and for me this is what i think is really interesting about that well i'll get into my thing in a sec but i think from what you're saying if you relate it more to god damn it if you relate it more to midnight special uh -huh. then it's easier to sort of swallow that like okay this is a long con mm. but he's going to end it on something fantastic and to be fair the first time i saw it was at fantastic fest so, so i was like man they're really drawing out this thing but of course <laughs> it's real 
I, it never, the whole time I was watching it, the first time I saw it. You never thought that it could be just type of, some type of delusion. I made fun of someone who said, I really thought it was a delusion. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. Wow. On second, well, this is the third time. On third viewing, I actually see what you're saying, that it's it's actually pretty easy to go more into the, this is a delusion. Sure, these dreams seem real, but that's just filmmaking. They're going right. to make the dreams seem real because it's not because they are real. It's just he's really helping you feel this. And it that part of it fits with what he said about the movie, which is that the movie is to some extent about anxiety. I mean, so this is his second film. Right. And at the time, he's feeling like, look, yes, I've made a film, Shotgun Stories, that did okay. But that doesn't mean I'm paying the bills. It doesn't mean everything's okay. And there's a lot of pressure. And that what this movie really started with was a feeling of anxiety, which would make you say, well, then, of course, it's not going to work out at the end because that's what the movie's about is the anxiety. But he also makes a point to say, you know, I don't believe in any particular organized religion, but I think of myself as sort of a spiritual person. And I, and I think that's being explored in the film. And on its own, it's not clear how Take Shelter fits with that. But I think in our trio of films we're discussing, I want to suggest, and this is what I'm saying, what I think, that Jeff Nichols, regardless of what he, th- how he would describe it, Jeff Nichols is my version of religious. Wow. I He's think, the heterodox. And I, would, and I would actually say Mud is as religious as the other two movies. Right. In that all three movies are about, look, if you live in a world where you don't expect the unexpected, you're not actually living in the world. And wow. so there's there's something extraordinary to the world. And each of these movies fabulizes it. And uh, Mud, in a way, also has its own kind of fabulation in the character of Mud. But what is Mud really about? It's not really about Mud. No. It's about the kid and who the yeah. kid is and the hope of that kid. And that because of that kid's goodness, this motherfucker, Mud, who actually probably is bad and not the good guy <laughs> the kid is making him out to be, has a chance. Right. That there's like a redemption there. And to me, you know, I mean, you can say redemption stories are not specific to any one context per se, but that's fine. All I'm saying is for what I care about, each of these movies actually informs that perspective. And Take mm-hmm. Shelter is a dark version of it, and it's sad in a way because it's like it would be it would be better if he just had a mental health problem. Right. And there was no reality there. No type of weird reality. I mean, don't be wrong. Is there some part of me when he when he sees the rain that I'm like, I just want him to mouth at her? I told you so. <laughs> but exactly. It's, it's that's dead. exactly what I hate about it. But I don't think that's... But the reason he doesn't do that is because that's not actually what Jeff Nichols is thinking about, especially because he's been very clear, oh yeah, in the movie, I'm Michael Shannon and my wife is the wife. And that every right. fight they have is like fights me and my wife have had. And so in which case, if he ended the movie with like an actual moment of, what the fuck did I say, woman? Then like, that would not be a good comment on his. But instead, he like looks at her like, okay, this is really happening, right? I'm not crazy. And she's like, oh, yeah. No, you're not crazy. Let's go not die now. You know what I mean? Like, this is exactly my problem. I don't see it as a, again, if this in and of itself is your total problem, then you must avoid all magical realism movies forever because they're all about this. This is how they all work. I'm going to disagree with you respectfully. Every single one, anyone who has an extraordinary experience is crazy. All crazy is, is what we call people of extraordinary experiences. And chances are they are. And it is a, I mean, that's the more likely thing, but all this movie saying is, well, here's the thing where it wasn't that. 
I love that you're just like, no, I'm never going to see it. Definitely it's not. never going to be there Definitely for not me. not going to see it. Sorry. Man, can't if do it. I ever actually write a book, I'm not going to have you read it because my <laughs> book would be Take Shelter and you'd be like, God damn it, I'd be Liam. like, this shit sucks, Liam. What the fuck? <laughs> I would never, ever say that in a million years. I know. You'd be really nice about it, but I know deep down in your heart that you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I okay, so let's back up and talk about the actual movie. I think one of the things about the movie that we can all acknowledge because the ending really was what ruined it for you. Yeah. Leading up to that ending, the maintenance of tension. Oh, so it's, wonderful. Oh, my God. It's so fluid and yep. natural Yeah, throughout the whole movie. And it's not just, this is, when the first time I saw it, and I think this is just natural, I focused on the dreams right. as the main source of anxiety. On repeat viewing, I get more anxiety from the not dreams when yeah. his life is just fucking falling yeah. apart. Dude, when Definitely. he wets the bed, holy Ugh. shit, that scene is so brutal. Even the moment where he's built the shelter and the boss comes over. Oh, my God. As like a person with responsibilities now, I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck. Like literally (laughs) when that happened, I was like, oh, right. Oh, Jesus, I forgot about this part. Oh, my God. Like I just felt so much tension in my chest about it. It's so tough, man. It's so hard. And like that's the thing for a fantastic movie for what you term magical realism. It's very real the whole way through. Right. With the exception of the dream sequences. It's so real. And it's so painful. Yes. It's so I, I hurtful. Think, I think that's what made it work for me is that it was so real. Mm-hmm. And so then the tension between that reality and the, fantastic the possibility end. that there was some connection to some other fantastic thing, that actually was fun for me. Right. But if it ended, I, I will say this, if it if he had ended it with... And then it turns out that he was just crazy and he needed meds and now he's just going to live his life. That's not a bad movie. No. That's not a bad no, movie. Not at all. Totally But good. I prefer the ending. <laughs> and I, even though I, I actually want to just get why it bothers you, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I do, I do kind of want it to end on him turning around and being like, like yelling at his wife, like, now you killed us. We're in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's like, my shelter. I know, he's like, yo, I built a room for this very scenario. And you were like, nah, baby, let's go to the beach. I told yeah. you, I washed my sheets after I pissed the bed. <laughs> you didn't want to believe me. I bought cans. He I did buy a lot eight of hours away from Arkansas at the goddamn Fuck. beach we're paying $800 a week for. And now we're going to die in Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the what probably, a horrific that's probably the worst part. I mean, yeah. I, I think to some extent, this is what the ending does for me, though, because he doesn't despair. He just looks at her and says, and and, and, and they just have a moment, and they're going to go. And I think what what maybe we're missing a little bit about that is that the point is he, him getting through the trauma of maybe having this mental health experience actually prepares him to face the danger in a way mm-hmm. that like if he hadn't had those dreams even though those dreams ruined his life it, the dreams didn't actually prepare him for anything because none of the dreams ha- nothing happens the way it does in the dream but going through that experience it seems like they're both like oh okay we're, we got this because in, e- in each of the dream sequences it's like the dreams didn't happen like Something yeah. starts to go wrong. He has no idea what the fuck is going on. He's not ready. And he's like, well, fuck, we're dead. Like every single dream. In the moment at the end of the movie, it, you don't get the feeling of, well, we're fucked now. They look at each other like, no, we got this. Like, like I'm prepared. Yeah, we're going to do this. Even we though got rid of the dog. Even though literally they're not prepared because yeah. they're just at a beach house. <laughs> but they're prepared as people. And I right. wonder if that was more the point that like they're doing this together and they're in this together and whatever, whatever. Yeah. Right, right, right. And there's that beautiful moment where like he realizes he's not seeing this. Right. And his daughter's like, Storm. He's yeah. Like, oh, like, wait, is this real? Or am I imagining this? Right. I know I'm crazy. So like, I feel like that was a, 
a nice little tipping point into this fantastic scenery. I wonder too, for you as a producer, to what extent Take Shelter is um, reflective of or a metaphor for making a movie. Like you're trying to convince people of something you see that could exist in the world, and most people are like, "No, nah, that's a fucking terrible idea. Like that's not real. <laughs> you're never gonna get there. Give up." Yeah, I mean, you you summed it up. It's like every day of my life. It's like, well, cool. I want to do this project. I want to do this project. But how am I going to convince someone with money who has right. no idea what art is, like, to make this movie? So yeah, that's that's the struggle. It's real, man. Jeff how do you, how, sells how, do you it. how do you how do you borrow the backhoe to dig the hole for the movie? <laughs> Clearly, you can't steal it. Right. <laughs> Very clearly. Even if no one gets hurt. All right. So we're of a mixed opinion on Take Shelter, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know what that. actually my favorite scene in this movie is? When yeah. he goes to talk to the doctor. Yeah. That is such a heartbreaking That's and good. real scene. Like, I've seen that in life. Yeah. Where it's like, well, actually, I said that because I'm hearing these things and I don't think that they're real. Like, that shit is verbatim. What See, I've seen with people going through schizophrenia. Along those same lines, though, when he when his counselor leaves and he gets the new counselor, and the counselor's like, Ugh. "Tell me about you know yeah. the thing," and, and I'm he like, just gets up and walks off. I was like, "Fuck," because. I don't see it as much in your context, but when I was working with folks who were homeless, I would see that like you put in so much time with one social worker and then they leave and then yeah. you got to explain your whole deal, especially if your deal's really complicated and let it to a new person and they're going to start it, but you know, block one. So your name is Tom. Like, yeah. no, fuck it's like, you. Dude, we've been living. Yeah. I've been so having this brutal. conversation forever and now I'm going to have it with you. Like, no. Yeah. Oh man. But I will say that one scene solidified my my true admiration of Michael Shannon. Like that dude yes. is fuck. Like I've okay. So prior to this, I'd seen Iceman and like the Superman movies and all that stuff. Sure. And they're fine, but they're not. Oh, you good. hadn't watched other stuff with him before. I mean, aside from Jeff Nichols movies, no, because prior uh, to this, I had only seen, I, I saw midnight special. That's not true, but I mean, he, do, he only has a bit part in mud and that's yeah, yeah. basically my main entry point to Michael Shannon and Jeff Nichols. So, so I, I'm also an avid, uh, or when it was on the air, an avid Boardwalk Empire watcher. Yeah, uh, and I he was really, in that. I he was a big part of it. And I really felt the more that the show went on was that the only reason they didn't kill off his character is because he was so good. Like there are so many times when that character should have been dead, mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, the only reason they don't write this guy off is because Michael Shannon is so goddamn compelling. Dude, he is awesome, man. Yeah, so really good. creepy in Boardwalk. His role in Boardwalk, dude, it'll, it'll change how yeah. you see him as an actor. I think he's like really, really wonderful. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Even in bad things. I mean, also, I don't know if you saw Nocturnal Animals. No. Wasn't my favorite film, but he's great in it. Yeah. I started watching Wolves. It's not a great movie, but he's really good in it. Like, I feel like that's how he's going to be for me is I'm going to watch. He's in that Herzog movie that everyone said is terrible that I haven't seen yet. Oh. Have you seen Did it? You see no, it? I haven't seen it. I've just heard bad things. I've heard it's like the worst thing. But I'm like, oh, but Michael Shannon's in it? Okay, well, I guess I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, I sat through fucking uh, Man of Steel. I can sit through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can live through some motor oil coming from the sky and being in Florida. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But so no. let's go to the next movie, Mud. Now, we didn't we first see Mud together? I think we did at a film fest at yeah. Philadelphia Film Festival. And we both, if I'm correct, loved it. We did. We did. I rewatched it, and I was like, oh. This movie is still so fucking good. Hey, tell us about when you first saw Mud and what, what you felt about it as a film. Uh, let's see here. I guess it would have been 2013. I was living in Queens, actually, and my brother. Oh, wow. Back when the internet was more easy to steal things, I believe my brother 
acquired a copy of Mud. Sure, and he's sure. Like, yeah, I want to show you this movie. And I, I'd never seen a Jeff Nichols movie, and we just sat down and watched it. And that was the beginning of the McConaissance for me. Oh, basically. yeah, totally. Because I, I didn't see Magic Mike or any of that. Yeah. So, like, when he played that, I was like, oh, man, like, Matthew McConaughey really can act. So and, uh, fucking good in that role. He's really good. I used to yell McConaughey all the time on this show. Yeah, I'm glad you stopped. I stopped ever since he so, came out as like a hello, weird trumper. No, I'd be like, McConaughey! Very emotional, but like, you know, the the whole weird supporting a Trump thing that he's been doing lately, I'm like, ah, there you go. <laughs> it's hard to be as stoked on him now. Yeah. yeah but yeah, to yeah. be fair, he's still a good actor. He it's is. Just, it turns it's out true. he's also an asshole, which yeah, we didn't know. Just, you know, that's I, I kind of assumed that from Days and Confused. He was a big asshole. I, you know, I don't assume anything about the McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't appreciate you know, a strong asshole figure in my life. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Just I had to that think kind. about the wording on that one. It's <laughs> not that I don't appreciate <laughs> a real asshole. good asshole. It's got to be real gotta strong. I appreciate a strong asshole. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, here's the things about, about Mud. I had actually seen Take Shelter. So for me, but I didn't see shotgun stories before I saw Mud. So Mud was like a huge revelation in that it was like, yo, this is like a personal, non-fantastic, like very, uh, but also long, like Mud is like, it maintains a long running time, but it keeps you really into it. It tells a story with a variety of characters. Like it just is to me in some ways, such a different movie from take shelter, both in its scope and its impact that I was just blown away that it even existed. You know, like what, how did he do this? And with Matthew Kane and then these two kids, the kids are so good. I tend to hate kid actors too. They're so good. And they're so awesome in this movie. Like they're so compelling in this movie. And, uh, Kids wearing a Fugazi shirt, just saying, it's pretty dope. Well, you notice that's why is Michael Shannon's character is a punk. Like that's yeah. the best, oh, not the best. There's lots of great scenes, but one of my favorite scenes is when Michael Shannon's having the conversation at his place, and there's just all the punk flyers on the wall. Yeah. And he's yeah, yeah, doodling yeah. with his guitar, and you're like, <laughs> oh, I get it. Michael Shannon has to take care of these kids because it's like the right thing to do. Right. But he's kind of like a whatever kind of like guy. Punk I still, rocker. I still want to know what the the. What the the swimsuit water suit thing yeah. is about when the girl runs out? <laughs> yeah, he's in the wetsuit, like he's in the wetsuit. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. No. Were those the only pants? Of, I I assumed it was like there were no other pants available. <laughs> well, she came out being like, you know, he's a he's a creep. Like he does yeah. a lot of weird things, and he just comes out like, oh, I thought you were into that. It's like, well, what? It's like, well, why are you wearing a, a wetsuit? A lot of people. <laughs> Where's the snorkel? He goes, he know. goes, he goes, a lot of people are into that sort of thing in the bedroom, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, no, <laughs> but that was his really brother, weird. right? That wasn't Michael Shannon. No, that was, no, that was Michael Shannon. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's his, wow. The uncle of the, the I think kid, that's his first appearance in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I also read somewhere that all those flyers and everything was Ben Nichols stuff. Ah. Including yeah. the, the Fugazi t-shirt and all that stuff. Oh, that and the guitar. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit for, I mean, obviously we will, you know, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Because uh. there might be spoilers. But... Um, Sam Shepard in this movie is just amazing. Say that. Dude, yeah. He's so cool. In I mean, this movie. Mud is literally a story about two kids find a drifter. Yeah. And living in a boat. In, living in a fucking boat that's in, in a tree. And <laughs> rather than tell the police, they start helping him and they all become friends. Yeah. Like, and slowly, you know, his kind of sad, sorry story comes about. And the movie really pushes a number of things around, like, um, what is true like mud never really tells the truth yeah you never a, really know who mud is in this but movie. a lot of what he says kind of like 
weirdly becomes true in yeah. a sense. Like he's never honest. Let's put it that way. He's never honest or he's never factual, but sometimes there is a truth to what he says. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the kids is that the kids sort of affirm it as a potential. So like his story with Juniper is not actually the love story for the ages, mm-hmm. but you get a feeling that maybe it could have been more than yeah. it was. It's like, yeah. it's something they could have lived up to. It wasn't totally bullshit. But it's not what he says it is at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like there's this weird relationship between mud and the truth that isn't necessarily direct, but it's not, he's not always just conning. It's not like he's a straight up con man, yeah. but he's not straightforward either. Right. Man. Very insightful, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it when I say something like that and you just stop. I'm like, no, because it's, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm literally thinking about what you're saying. It's like, wow, that is. I guess, well, I guess for me, to bring that point up, I guess the first part is when the kids are walking with him in the in the on the island. Sure. Yeah. And he sees the bird and then he just starts talking about how his girlfriend has like a tattoo of a bird. Yeah. That was the first part when I watched it, I was like, Oh, so he's just like conning these kids. He's trying to get something out of them. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out no, his girl really does have a bird tattoo and these kids right. find her and it's just Right. It's it's again, he's you wonder it's not clear that his relationship to the truth is um within his control like when he says oh he's a he's an assassin he kills all these people whatever is that is he fucking lying yeah or is that fucking or is that just how he sees it oh wow! like you know what i mean like is is it that is it that mud lives a certain way and then what the kids become is his fucking disciples that's my theory is that (laughs) fitting with your religious thing i really think mud is like a jesus character wow if you are willing to say like well often inspiring humans are not quite what they seem mm-hmm. in that way it, mud lives up to what the kid wants him to the kid wants mud to be a hero right. and everyone's saying mud is not a hero and then not once not twice but multiple times mud only because of this kid even though in other circumstances he seems like he would fucking take your wallet and be yeah. like oh well that's life multiple times <laughs> just because this kid is so compelling and so loving right he acts as a hero as a hero yeah which doesn't seem like, I mean, not that he's a coward. That's not what I'm saying. But he, like, you know, he saves the kid's life. He right. goes to see Juniper. He, like, you know, gets into a goddamn gun battle in which all he cares about <laughs> is defending the kid. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Like, uh, again, I don't think he's incapable of these things, but it's like the kid brings it out of him. What did you think of Reese Witherspoon as Juniper, as a female character in this movie? I mean, I think she is, it's a good performance. Yeah. And I get that the film is about. It seems to me it's it's about men, mm-hmm. so it's I'm not that surprised. But without his mom, I'd be pissed, right? Because her character is such a fucking. It, it's such a stereotype that like women can be so uh, so uh, insecure that they become untrustworthy, and that it's about their and like if she was the only female character, I'd be like, look at that, like yeah, this is some bullshit. Whatever. But then his mom is so fucking good and so awesome yeah. that like. It works out. And I think the moment between her and Mud, even though it's very slight, I think it's meant to be 
at least in a small way, redemptive. Apologies to our listeners. We're we're recording in uh, Josh's house in Cashmere, <laughs> Kenzo. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know that sometimes that means random outside doors. Yeah, I mean stuff. we've already had like radio sounds in the background <laughs> and stuff, but right now the person begging, I'm like, "Fuck, come on, man! <laughs> come on, what man. the hell's going on?" It's probably the Does playground. That, do you, over what there. do you think? Do you think that makes sense? Is that fair? Or am yeah, I no, that's totally fair. I think that the mother definitely rounds out the feminine presence in the movie. In a way that's not just typical. But well, that said, I also think that Juniper falls very easily into that role of sure. like this distressed maiden. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, they try to give her a little bit of edge in that um, she sees mud clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not fooled by him. Right. She doesn't buy but, into. But it his doesn't thing. feel like that's coming from insight. It feels like it's coming from fear, and that's the. That's where it could be problematic. And yeah. like, well, the only reason Mud isn't what he could be is because Juniper doesn't really believe in him. Yeah. And I think the film goes out of its way to say, well, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, she just knows she can do better. Well, she thinks she can do better, but in reality, like he's always there for her. So it's like a fallback plan for her. Yeah, yeah, that's how he sort of functions in her life. And I think he finally sees it, but he only sees it because of this relationship with the with the, with the the kids. Yeah, right. definitely. Right. And I really love that about this movie. Movies with kids and adults. Very rarely do you see the kids play such an important, pivotal act. Like, or at least this on, movie is on about level them. footing right. with the adult players in the movie. Right. Like, typically they're just written as ancillary, like, again, set dressing. Right. But in this movie, they're like the main. What did you guys think of the family relationship and how that related to the rest of the plot? I really liked it. I liked the whole embattled family thing. Like, it. it it felt like it made the rest of the struggles in the movie that much more real. Sure. So, I mean, because there is no perfection in this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know. I really, I thought it was really well done. What did you think of the dad? I specifically the dad character, too. The dad character is so good. Yeah he's, yeah, he's really good. I mean, I enjoyed all the scenes, like, when they're going to take the fish and sell them and all that. Like, I thought it was really, like, he's just teaching his kid the hard way. It's like. Sure. You know, you're late. You're going to suffer for it. Yeah. And like, you know, we're not going to really talk much like a typical father in that area. Right. My father. Uh, but yeah, you just go. It's very like just dark. And I, I kind of appreciate that. Sure. A lot of his writing is like that. Yeah. Even with Take Shelter, like the scene with the brother, when the yeah. brother shows up, it's like, that's so. That's so harsh. Yeah. It hits so me so brutal. hard. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that is interesting there too is that. Um, he doesn't let the dad stay a negative character, though, that like through yeah. the trauma of what happens, there's something there, but it's not to the extent where they stay together. It's like, look, people get divorced, but it's not necessarily a tragedy. Or it's not yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah, and I think to me, again, this is where I see something of like a, a very fragile hope in his movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's like that weird predicated survivorship that seems to be in all these Jeff Nichols movies. Am I okay. right? Like, that's what that is. Sure. That's the personification of it in this movie to me. Okay. Like the dad and, and yeah. the relationship with the son. Well, I like the way that um, that whole family is also impacted. Like that you've said this a little bit is that um, there's an undercurrent in all these films of white poverty. Right. You know, which I mean could be problematic. If someone said to me, I don't like Jeff Nichols movies because they're too white, I might be like, that's okay i mean you know what i mean like i don't think i'd be offended by that because Mm -hmm. so far that's been the trend you know what i mean with his films but i think that if you can look past that they're still very much about real struggles about poverty about class i mean the family has problems anyway like i don't think if dad's river 
fish business suddenly blew up that him and the wife would be happy. Right. But it's clear that that is at the root. Like people are, it seems like Jeff Nichols in all of his movies says, you know, things are already hard and class and poverty make them harder. Yeah. So these people would already have problems, yeah. but because they're poor, their problems are even worse. Yeah, it's totally. even, you know, if, if take shelter was about a rich family, it would be way different. It'd be way. He, he could yeah. build a million fucking bunkers, yeah, can, and it wouldn't impact him at all. And then when he was right, he'd be like, "Oh, see, good thing I built that bunker. <laughs> yeah, all right, no big deal. It'll be a Rolls Royce." But in it's that because one. of how hard yeah. their lives is. It's an issue, you know. Right. I mean, I think Midnight Special. It's less cut and dry. Midnight Special is definitely a lot m- less focused on socioeconomic strata. Like I feel sure. as though that movie is full bore fantastic. But the but the phenomena. I will say the phenomena of the rural white cult. Right. is a little yeah, bit yeah. from a certain context. There's no, there's not as many of those communities in, in Manhattan right. or in Baltimore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or in <laughs> Seattle. Like when you say like, yeah, a bunch of ladies with you know Mormon or not even Mormon like Amish dresses on. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, so these are white people we're talking about. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? True. You it's tend true. to, unless you know, a few examples in like South America, or whatever. But I mean, in this country, yeah. that phenomena is a very Poor or rural yeah. thing phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, that's what these movies tend to be about. Okay, right, let's right, finish right, up right. with Mud though. Like, um, anything else we want to say about it? Did you guys notice any connection between Mud and his shirt? What do you mean, Mud? Oh. I I was reading up on uh, the IMDb trivia for this movie, and one of the notes that they had on there was that uh, Mud has a. Part of his character trait is that he's connected to the shirt that he wears, and the he has to keep it gun, clean. Yeah, yeah. And like, did you guys notice that though? The gun I noticed, but the shirt not so much. I noticed him talk about it. Like, all I got for protection is my shirt and my gun. Yeah, but you don't really. I guess they never really flesh said, out the idea yeah. that he has some type of weird spiritual connection with a shirt. Maybe it goes back to like being ex- Jesus. Yeah, like maybe it's I mean, like I think the white robes of good old JC. I mean, there's a point where he gives up the shirt and he says look i'm not gonna i'm not sure i'm gonna give you the gun but you can just have this fucking shirt and the kid out of reverence is like i'm not taking the shirt and he hangs it on the thing yeah so then he goes he comes back they have their blowout and then he falls in the snake pit and mud drops everything except for he grabs a shirt and i do think wow. that's interesting that like he's like nothing is more important than saving this kid and the way i go is i gotta put my shirt on as i go uh, but I do wonder I about. Didn't even pay attention to that. But I do wonder I about. That. Did he have the shirt on at the end of the movie? No, I was just gonna say he's shirtless at the end of the movie. One, because I. He's got a giant fucking wound. Yeah. Well, he's also like ripped too. I'm like, cool, yeah. yeah. You're, you're just a bum and you're ripped. <laughs> yeah, I mean Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, he doesn't have a shirt at the end. I wonder what that's. I don't know. I mean, I think that that note on IMDb sounds like someone's reading too much into the shirt. Right. But I do think that it is interesting that. I mean, when he says that, it is really true. He shows up, and he has two items, a, a gun, gun and, a shirt. and his shirt. Yeah. And then when the movie ends, he now has a boat and money and a dude helping him out who's a sharpshooter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, he, he really at least comes out on top at the end in a way. He makes it to the ocean. Like, I mean, I think in a way, uh, it, it, I think it isn't great to focus too much on Mud, even though the movie's named Mud. Right. Right, I think it's really about what happens to the to the one kid. I mean, yeah. Neckbone is there. His name is Neckbone. He, he doesn't yeah. quite have the arc of our other <laughs> dude. But like, yeah, Mud makes. I mean, I think the if it ended with the kid being like, "I hope Mud's not dead," and we just don't know. Yeah, that's less of a heartwarming movie. 
because I love the end. Right. But it could end there. But he, Jeff Nichols, I think, in the same way he does with Take Shelter, which you didn't like, I think he's like, I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to give you what you want, yeah, which is mud go. makes Here's it to the ocean. redemption, yeah. 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 Which he earned. I mean, again, yeah, it's, no, not, it's un- not like I mean, he mud, just like, wandered really, into this. Mud really puts it out there. I mean, he, he's so... It, it, I really agree from that first moment, but even more, even as it turns out what he's saying is true, Mud is still so manipulative and so like conning these kids in some aspect, even though he's not always being dishonest or anything like that. It still feels like a con, but when he picks him up and brings him to the ER, it's such a fucking visceral and yeah. natural reaction such that McConaughey plays it perfectly. When he realizes where the fuck he is at the ER, he looks terrified. Like, yeah. oh shit, what did I do? Why did I come here? I mean, yeah, I got to save the kid's life, but oh, this is a bad idea. I got to go right now. Like, you really yeah. feel like he's afraid. Like, I can't believe I made this decision. Yeah. It's so good. Dude. Beautifully edited scene, too. Yes. He's like, oh, he much. fell in the snake pit. And it's just like this fluid motion of McConaughey. When the fucking boat barely lands and he's already running off the yeah, boat. Yeah. I'm like, so hey. Cool. Only McConaughey could do that scene without falling on his goddamn face. <laughs> yep. But B, it really carries on that sense of, and then he's that on the bike and he's sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so great. When, I mean, when he dumps a, the bike, that's pretty good too. Yeah, he just runs off the. He's like, and I'm off. I'm off the bike. How did he not fall? I mean, that whole sequence because that's McConaughey. That's not CGI or a yeah, stunt. No, on. that's straight. He, McConaughey. It's not even just when he gets off the bike. He rides the bike through a rain ditch. You know, like in those yeah. awful suburbs, they have those. Rain. He runs through that ditch. I thought. Man, he could have fucking eaten it. You know what I mean? And At that could, point, this could be like, yeah, dedicated to we, Matthew we, McConaughey. There'd be no McConaughey. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he would die, but he'd definitely be like, yo, remember when McConaughey knocked out all of his front teeth? Because that was <laughs> like the speed thing. at which he's going. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ooh. good, man. I'd love to hear him talk about the stunts. I mean, there's probably a Blu-ray with special features, but I don't have that, so I don't know. <laughs> but I'd love to hear McConaughey talk about the stunts that he did in this, because yeah. none of them are like death-defying, but they're not But they're small. all real. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all like real-ass stunts. Fuck. Other people, I, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the family. My favorite moment with the with what are basically the villains of the movie, yeah, is when the father tells this room full of mercenaries, <sighs> you know, bounty hunters, that they all should take a knee so they can pray for the death of the killer of his son. From that moment, yeah. I'm like, oh, these guys are actual monsters. <laughs> and then, like, there's little hints that they're not great, but yeah. it really culminates in the scene at the boat where they're just. Oh, is there kids in here? I don't give a fuck. And they're just shooting. Yeah. And you're like, oh, right. Like, up until that point, you're th- for me at least, I'm thinking like, yeah, they don't seem like good dudes. But Mud did kill a guy. So it's like... It's like they could be okay guys reacting. It could be like, oh, whatever. Maybe Mud in some sense has something coming. Right. But when they start, A, I mean, when he prays for his death, I'm like, okay, I don't trust these guys. <laughs> but then when they just start shooting, it's such... It's a redemptive moment, not just because Mud becomes briefly an action hero which up until that point he's not yeah it's a redemptive moment because you go oh no these guys are actually terrible so like <laughs> it doesn't matter that he killed someone this is that the, who the guy he killed That's these are his people terrible as these well. are his yeah. people right. and then all of a sudden in the at least for me in that moment i was like oh yeah fuck all these guys <laughs> so that like when they end up dead i mean they're all dead <laughs> you're just like yeah all right cool I did it yeah murder all those fuckers i'm gonna do it <laughs> Sam Shepard, baby. There's like no murder in the movie. Like there's a story of how he murdered a guy. Yeah. But before that, the movie is pretty tame on the violence end, except for our little hero dude keeps socking people yeah, in the he's face, going upside someone's head. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, if you're a pure pacifist, 
this might not be the movie for you because every redemption, every, you know, every character like shows they're strong by punching someone or doing something violent. <laughs> but if you're not one of those people, it's, and it's if that's okay bad. with you, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is okay yeah. if it is okay. We yeah. don't judge. But the, the boy got the touch of boob from doing that. He did. Yeah, there was a boob. Touch. That happened. Yeah. Or, or he it's lied about it. Who knows? <laughs> and at the end, he's got that girl that like says goodbye or hi to him. Yeah, that's true. It's a cute I moment. mean, it's definitely a movie where they want to make sure you know that the most important thing in life is your crushes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it is a little bit. It, it's if uh, if you were looking for some queer subtext, this is not the movie for you. Definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely. very much a heterosexual film. Um, but I do. But it, aren't all of Nichols' movies like this? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, I'm, and I'm fine with that. That's okay. But I think uh, it's definitely like so. I am also enough in tune with that to be like when he's waves or he just gives a head nod to those girls who wave at him i'm like yeah buddy (laughs) i was like yeah back on that horse (laughs) like i don't know i just there's there's something about it that is um the way it treats romantic relationships is not necessarily about the pursuit or whatever it's about like oh remember how good it felt to feel this way about somebody like that in some way is what the film is sort of tangentially about you know right right yo Okay, let's, let's, moving on. Let's move on to Midnight, Midnight Special. Special. I feel like Midnight Special might be the movie I heard the most about. Like, I don't know that Mud lost money, but I don't feel like Mud was, was like the Mud made hit. more money than Midnight Special. It's Did weird because it? I feel, maybe it's like shit. twenty-two million box office. Wow. wow, maybe I'm thinking that's maybe wrong. it's because maybe it's because I. I'm friends with more movie nerds and the nerds watch Midnight Special just from the trip. They were like, yeah. this looks like a Spielberg. So they just watched it. Whereas I mean, Mud- I was surprised when I saw the numbers. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. Nerd, so I look at money. I was like, Midnight sure. Special only made that much money in the box office. Really? Hmm. Well, I did get the feeling that it, when I saw it, it wasn't packed. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe not, a lot of people didn't see Midnight Special. I, but. S- I saw it on the first night it came out, but it, it was like the special release in New York City. Oh, right. right, so right it was right, packed, right. but uh, I would say it wasn't, sold out sure but i definitely thought it had more legs than it did yeah yeah i don't know i it's certainly I the really one that liked i liked it how where, where did you land on I mean, the talk about that's it. probably my favorite that's your favorite three. jeff nichols movie yeah wow yeah for some reason that's just the movie just starts and right away you're off you're off running with michael shannon yeah and it's just this like beautiful moment and you're like oh, okay he's got the kid so something's up and like uh, right away i kind of had a feeling like it was going to be very you know, the kid's got something in him sort of vibe. Yeah. Especially when like they, they turn the headlights off and he's got the goggles on. It's like, all right, so I'm into this movie really. Yeah. And then they brought in Sam Shepard and the cult. And I was like, okay, yeah. something Sam weird. Shepard is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him and in Paul both Sparks, these movies. Paul Sparks yeah. was this, had the slick hair and mud. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That whole, just bringing those two together. And then it's, just, I don't know. It really worked for me. Yeah. Did you find that it resonated because of the Spielberg isms in it? Like, did you feel as though like it's weird nods to like ET and stuff? Like, uh, that's part of like the nostalgia that makes this movie for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't think about that really. I just kind of thought of it as Michael Shannon with a weird kid, and <laughs> we're in a weird Jeff Nichols movie. Yeah, I feel as though of, of all the movies, this one is the, like this is the one that gives the most work to the audience. Yeah, yeah, like. The movies that we've seen, like you know, Take Shelter and um, and Mud, they unfold. This movie challenges yeah. the viewer in a way that those movies do not. It, it keep right. up. It's like, yo, we're going. Yeah, keep it's up. like starts Figure like it out. after it begins. You know what I mean? So like, you're already in the mix at the beginning of the movie. And uh, yeah, I, th- I I mean, for me, I I actually agree that it's my favorite, but. 
I had a little trouble with the pacing towards the end. Yeah. It's one of the few movies I've seen. I'm generally someone who's not like, this movie should be longer. But I thought maybe the end of Midnight Special, like the transition from, because it's so much an on the run movie. Like yeah. we're on the run, we're getting away. And, and all of that is amazing. People are dying, all the shit's happening. And then the, then the transition from that to he's with the guy from Girls. What is that guy's name? Um, you know, uh, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. What is Kylo Ren's name? Adam. Adam Driver. Driver. The transition from his time with them to his time with Adam Driver, it just starts to go. I mean, it, it's going fast the whole time, but that to me was a moment that they could have, that he could have stretched a little bit, yeah, yeah. and I think it would have helped the movie. Yeah. But that doesn't make the movie bad. It's not that I left the movie being like that movie sucked. I was in love, and I yeah. still love this movie a lot. But I, I think on second viewing, I was like. Oh, I need this moment there, is a yeah. little bit ru- not bad, but it just goes you just a little quicker. More. You need I need a little bit more. Yeah. On that being said, this is another movie that ends in a way that like asks a lot of you. Like, yeah. Sure, there's magical stuff happening, or not magic, but there's but there's this extraordinary stuff, stuff happening yeah. the whole time. But then the ending's like, but really go with me now. Like, yeah. really go with it. And I think that the idea that there's something just beyond that we're not seeing, but yeah. that's there. Yeah. That's where a lot of people have said. Because I think this idea that there might be something, uh, maybe people aren't comfortable with religious. Let's say spiritual. Okay. Other people suggest that there's something spiritual going on with Midnight Special. I think there's something going on with all of his movies, but I actually think the moment is not just that. The that, thing beyond the thing, because that could be anything. Before that, it's yeah. the stuff before that, and specifically the idea that the kid just needs to give in to who he is. Yeah, that what's not working for them is that they're fighting it. We gotta keep him protected. He can't be in the mm-hmm. sun. We gotta, yeah. Well, that shit's not working and it's killing him. But the moment he just is who he is, you know what, this is who I am, this mm-hmm. is what I can do, and now I know what my purpose is, that to me is the faith moment for me. And maybe that's because my my idea of faith is different than <laughs> most people. Yeah. Most people, their idea of faith is actually denying yourself and not, <laughs> I mean, you could use that for anything, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but your definition is that it's the blossoming. It's more yeah, of a yeah, yeah. coming it's like, into. That's the moment where he admits that he doesn't isn't really like this, or this is the moment he realizes he's gay, or whatever you want it to yeah. be. He His finally, hormones exploded, literally. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, literally, it's, it's like he's, this is part of what's happening. These epiphanies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, that's like the equivalent of he had never jerked off, and now he finally has, and you know what I mean? He's like, achieved final four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the moment, and then the payoff is the end. The end is just like a, oh, and, and we're going to end it on the best possible note, which is like, look at this whole thing. Is real. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah. a thing. Which, I, which Jeff kind of does in all his movies. Yes. Almost every ending, it's like, you look, revelation. look up into the sky, yeah. or like some, something is yeah, totally. approaching the, the ocean. Yeah. There's always that like, oh my God moment. Yeah. And I love that. I love it because, and but each of those moments is still not, uh, even with Take Shelter, I don't think any of those are moments are transcendent moments that deny all the reality per se no. you're still in a real world yeah and, and like these are just these weird when the magical thing goes away they still crash the fucking car yeah they're still you know what i mean like it's not like the end of it take us end. away to the special alien world so we don't have to pay consequences <laughs> yeah. it's like taxes no that's no, no you still gotta still live your real. life yeah, 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 yeah. that's a actually pretty interesting insight that these weird fantasticisms happen in the context of reality thus giving them like this more of an impactful moment yeah i mean if you think of mud is in a real way breaking into what is the kid's name by the way ellis ellis yeah mud breaks into ellis's life like an event 
Right. Like you could say like mud is like the real world equivalent of like the fucking burning bush. Right. He's something that, that Ellis never would have experienced and he changes his life forever. And he just but, happens upon but it. But Ellis yeah. still ends up at the fucking apartment complex with his parents divorced. Yeah. So like as much as he's changed and things are going on and whatever, the world is still the world. You know, right. in the same way, yeah, man, we got to get the kid to the magical spot, and then he's going to join the, the aliens, uh, and then just I be believe gone. the term I'm told is uh, as uh, okay, so extraterrestrials are aliens, but then right. the, what's the other term for people who are from another dimension? Oh, this is a Justin Lore thing. Justin Lore always does this. There's like extra dimensional. Yeah, no, there's like a. Um, Fuck, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if Justin was the guest on this show, he would be giving us all this fucking... Because there's a whole theory that aliens are from other planets. They're from other dimensions. Uh, and all these dimensions coexist with the same dimension. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm sure he'll tweet you. Yeah, In another dimension, so. you know, we're taller, no more hair. I don't know. The point is, is that he goes into this other world, but the people he leaves behind just have to live life. They yeah, don't. They just stay where they are. They're not like, oh, they're now not everything's, dimension o- everything's okay. Now yeah, our literally, lives Michael Shannon goes to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. What a movie. It's so good. So I, th- I don't know if it's my favorite one, though. I'm going to say that. I think some people have pro- had problems with it because of the pacing. Yeah. Um, those people are stupid. Uh, the, the pacing is amazing. Hot take. Hot take. The, uh, the pacing is amazing. I love it. I love it. Like I said, yes, I think they could have stretched it out at the end. Mm. But overall, I love how it goes. I love the characters. I love the way it paints the world. Like, they, they don't, there's no big information drop, and yet everything yeah. works together to really help you understand what's happening. Um, There's no need for a big information drop. And again, that's where I feel as though the movie is more engaging with the viewer. Like it expects more of the people taking it in. I love the acting. I think the performances are great. Yeah. So good. I even even like the little kid, even though he's no Ellis, but. Yeah, he has his moments. Yeah, he's all right. Ellis is definitely the the winner of this. (sighs) Ellis. Of the kid rodeo. That's true. Um, and I like the way they did the special effects. Like you, they could have really, this is kind of CG heavy, and that yeah, could yeah. get really annoying. And it never is annoying for me. It works the whole film. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really like the scene when he has the the car accident at the end. I was like, it, it almost made me laugh. It's like, oh, people are still chasing this guy, but you just see this like magic world like happening above you, right. and you're like, you're still chasing this guy, and it's well, yeah, and flat then, tire, and then he goes to jail. And it's like he couldn't be in court like, well, to be fair, there really is this other world. It's everyone just goes, oh, we don't care. You're you are going to prison. You know what I mean? Like there's something about that that I think is really interesting and, and kind of fun. It's it's I also like the way this movie is comedic, like take shelter is not fucking funny at any right. moment. Yeah. The whole film. Mud is funny, but it's like it's like dark funny. Yeah, it's not like there's not really that many jokes. They're just kind of funny, funny scenarios. Midnight Special is funny, and it's more dark. It's mostly dark, yeah. but there are a few moments where you're like, "Oh God, all right." And it's mostly the kid and Adam Driver. Yeah, and maybe that's why I want more of that at the end because the kid and Adam Driver were kind of funny to me. I don't know, mm-hmm. but there's some jokes at the, towards the end of the movie that I think were actually, and again, they're not like slap your knee funny, but they like worked in the movie in a way that I really I mean, appreciate. The the FBI showing up in the beginning is kind of funny to me. That's true. Yeah. That's also <laughs> funny. Guys yes. giving, Sam Shepard's giving a sermon, and then they just walk in on him. It's just like, yeah. Nah, you got me, guys. Sorry, <laughs> I can't explain myself right now. Interesting thing about the kid, you know that the kid is the son of the ki- the guy who's in Kill Verona. They're from Philly. Wait, what? Uh, the kid, 
is the son in of Midnight Special. The kid in Midnight Special is the son of the dude who is in Kill Verona. Which dude in Kill Verona? Um, the guy who's the chef, Wes. Oh yeah, I know Wes. There you go. I mean, That's I don't like. We're not buddies, but I like. <laughs> I know him from back because I remember he was. So before they were Kill Verona, they were what Little League? Yeah. I met Wes when they were Little League, I think. Mm. I think that's right. Yeah. Kill Verona, only band to ever play Broadway Ministry and wreck the green room. Nice. They got super drunk and broke a lot of shit. Good work. And put a chair into a wall. Oh. I believe the chair was actually my friend Pat. But overall, <laughs> they just, they really partied. And no band that's ever played Broadway has ever, like, partied. Not like even the Crow Mags? No, uh, yeah. come on, John Joseph. I know, I know. That, I mean, yeah, it he sounded partied. dumb when it came out of he my mouth. He did yoga and had a smoothie. Yeah, it was wild. There was wheatgrass involved. It was, yeah, there was so no chairs fucking... put through any walls. No, 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 no. No, uh, but yeah, that kid is uh, the the child of uh, the that guy West from Kilroy. Cool. Yeah, I hope he does more acting. I hope Midnight <laughs> Special's in the end. For yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good now. I'd also like to see that Ellis kid from Mud and More Things. He's in a he's lot of X-Men. other stuff. Yeah, he's an X Men. I don't recognize him. X Men. He's in. Um, uh, another one of those really bad, huge <laughs> budget movies. Uh, which, which? X-Men's so we're talking about actually. the most recent X Men. He's in the Apocalypse movie. Uh, no, yeah, I think he's in Apocalypse. I tried to start that movie and then I was immediately like, "This is some bullshit." <laughs> yeah, I never saw it either. I think Milani watched like the first five minutes of it and was like, "Nope, not happening." But he was in Tree of Life, X Men yeah, Apocalypse. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was in Scout's oh, he was Guide good to the in Zombie Tree of Life. I didn't see Tree of Life. He oh, was I in a Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Oh nice. I, see I haven't seen it yet. The I classic. hear it's good. It's fine. Oh, it was good. Or Do you like it? little kids fighting zombies? Yeah, I'm into that. Okay, then yeah, it's fine. <laughs> do you like boy scouts making things to fight zombies look i'm like, just trying to support our boy ellis all right ellis is the man good work what's going on with neck bone that's what i want to know <laughs> neck bone so um yeah i uh, uh again we none of us have seen his most recent movie so yeah. it might be that jeff nichols has recently shit the bed if you don't like loving sorry but based upon the three movies we saw his and shotgun stories since we all three have seen that yeah yeah, yeah. his writing and his directing are great. And then whoever yeah. he's working with as uh, cinematographer. cinematographer. He has the same DC. cinematographer, I think Adam Stone's his name, for okay. all his movies. Same composer and same <laughs> editor, I think. All wow. that shit works. That like, shit is yeah. so awesome. He it's has like a, team, a team, and that team yeah. is fucking going. Like, yeah. all of those. And again, like we said, we haven't seen Loving, but, but they're but hitting all on every these note, movies man. are just they are yeah. fucking killing it. Those yeah. movies are all awesome. I mean, that's the thing with you and Take Shelter. You just don't like the the concept, the, the, the thematic end, yeah. of the end. But, but as a movie overall, it really works. Yeah, everything up until that thing, I don't, I, even including that, it still is a fucking beautiful movie. Yep, it's so beautifully scored. Yeah, it's so beautifully scored. Like I can't even. When it started, I was like, man, that sounds like you know Federico Duran, or it sounds like one of those like minimalist sure. like, electronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, so good. Like I love that shit. So. Yeah, no. And then they all have fucking Lucera songs in there. What the fuck? Love that shit, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume he has a punk rock connection, like when he was talking about... Well, doesn't his brother do some songs in yeah. Shelter, too? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. His brother does a lot of, you know, yeah. You do, right. yeah, Ben Nichols is his brother. I mean, you know me, I hate Lucero, but... Well, Ben Nichols is the singer for Lucero. Oh. oh, okay. There we go. So now you've made the connection that you I didn't know that we've no. been. I wore a Lucero shirt. Goddamn! Now I it thought you were just. <laughs> you I thought you were wearing a Lucero shirt because the theme was poor white people. <laughs> yeah, it's in the music and the movies. I didn't know Lucero. So I don't know Lucero songs. Really? The extent of what I know about Lucero is I don't enjoy them. <laughs> the one guy helped invent Hardline. That's all I know about them. 
Which guy invented Hardline? The guitar player who's not the singer is... The old Ben guy? Nichols, you mean. Wait, Ben Nichols is the singer. Yeah, and guitar player. Right. And then, and the then there's other the other guy. And very drunk a lot. Yeah, the, yeah. Other, the other guitar player is... What is it? Uh, what is his actual name? Tom or... I think it's Tom. He's skinhead Tom from like all of the... From like Vegan Reich and all that shit? Yeah, dude. He invented Hardline. He was the first guy to be like, yo, you know how there's a hammer loop on these carpenter shirts? Let's actually bring hammers into the pit and swing them. What? They all look like they met each other at the same gas station in Arkansas. Yo, like 100... If you've ever seen Lucero like live, that's what they look 100% like. 100% that dude... 10 of their shows. 100% that dude briefly moved out of... Are they from Nashville or Memphis? They're from Memphis. One, 100% that dude moved out of Memphis to to Chicago, and the people in Chicago were like, oh, straight edge. And he's like, no, guys, maybe you haven't heard. Straight edge is over. There's only hardline now. And they're like, wow. no, 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 straight edge. He's like, no, no, maybe you didn't see the zine where we announced it, but we ended straight edge. There is no more straight edge. There is only hardline. And they were like, what are you even talking about? You know, like uh, Vegan Reich and, uh, you know, whatever. And they were like, no, we don't know that. What do you what what? Wow. If you haven't heard it yet, go to the ep- his episode of Turned Out a Punk. And he talks about he also got into later in life, he missed, he walked out of the last his hero's gone show. Really? He was cuz they were they were talking about regrets and things and he was like, "You know what? I hated his hero's gone." It's like it's, <sighs> a, it's he's like it's a local thing, like they're local guys. He's like they're posers. I mean, everyone knows they're posers. So, he's like that's not a big deal, but like, you know, I was like they're posers, who cares? I've seen them a million times, whatever. He's like I left. He's like I got a phone call. They're breaking up right now on stage. And I, I was like, "Oh no." And he's like and then they did and I was like I could have been at the last His Hero Is Gone show. It's like, it's so weird. Like, when you think you're going to see them for the rest of your he, like the, yeah. He's telling the story because he's like, when you think you're going to see a band for the rest of your life, you like think, Vision. You're like, fuck them. Who cares? And then when you realize that was it, then you're like, God damn it. I can't believe I missed that. You know, that was his thing. And then they, they end the episode and then they come back because he's been telling Damien stories about how much of Poser's tragedy are. And so he's like, look, I have to record some of these stories. So they do one story about tragedy being Poser's and. Dude, I don't give a shit. His hero is gone forever. I love that band. I mean, that's the thing with that dude now. As much as he was talking shit and it was funny, part of me is like, yeah, bro, but you're in Lucera, so I don't yeah, really care. The drunkest band I've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe. But, I mean, he talked about Memphis always being just a crazy place. Like, yeah. Uh, apparently when, what what California band? It might have been Good Riddance, but some California band came for, through and their shirts were like $15 and his hero has gone decided that was too expensive. So they stole all their merch and burned it in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the activity of a poser. Not. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, is like, he's like, he's like, look, uh, you know, he comes from the town where both anti scene and his hero has gone and yeah. death threat, but then also like the good, death the hard line bands and all that stuff. He's like, yeah. he's like, we all hated each other. But when a band came from out of town and disrespected us, we would fight together. <laughs> He's like, I've seen the dudes in His Heroes Gone and the guys in Anti Scene fight together, but they hate each other. You know what I mean? Like, he's, wow. he, he really compared it to like New York, you know, like, yeah. you know, uh, Youth Defense League and Nausea are fucking blood enemies until yuppies come into town. Then it's yeah. like, no, oh, no, no, no. We, we, we can be on the same <laughs> team to fight those motherfuckers, you know? So, anyways. Push came to shove. Hey, man. We were down to fight. So. Thanks for being on this episode with us and talking about Jeff Nichols. This was such a good suggestion because I had never thought to cover someone who was 
like contemporary like that. Like yeah, we like usually new. do like older whatever stuff. And then as I was watching these movies, I'm like, yo, yeah. they're so connected and he's so interesting. And I mean, granted, I think we all need to like get our shit together and watch Loving and see yeah. how it fits. I don't know how we haven't seen that in preparation for this very episode. I thought about it last night and then Shotgun Stories was free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> right. Loving was $4. And I was like, yeah, It's a simple rule of economics. At that Honestly, point. I thought about it and then I thought, I'd rather watch the movie that Brendan helped made so I could like know about at least one thing that you were a part of. Yeah. So that's what I chose. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. And I'm glad I did because that was a good movie. There you go. Before I'll watch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of which, is there anything you want to plug or hype here at the end of the episode? Uh, yeah, as I said before, it disappears on Hulu, Netflix, uh, cul-de-sac will be on Amazon prime come October 1st yep. and, uh, keep an eye out for Sydney hall should be released soon. Cool. So that's a 24 is releasing that. Yeah. A 24. So, awesome, so does that mean like a wide release or just like a semi wide release? Uh, I'm not exactly sure on these details. We just premiered sure. at Sundance. It just got picked up a couple sure. weeks ago. I, I'm not the main producer. What is that? It, so. What is that movie about? Uh, it's about a writer at three phases of his life. Basically, oh. the writer's name is Sidney Hall, played by Logan Lerman. Okay. Uh, and then, so basically, it's he's uh, at 18, he writes the book of his generation. 24, he's kind of in the limelight. He's up for a Pulitzer. Sure. Disappears off the face of the earth and kind of comes back in his late 30s after being declared dead. Wow. wow. Comes out of the woodwork and goes across country burning books. And there's a bunch of intertwined stories throughout the whole movie. Oh, Have you so done cool. like press junkets and all this stuff? You've done like the whole circuit and like Q&As and all that crap? Yeah. Dude, I love Q&As. I want to go. I hate My them. favorite question is, what's your budget? Ugh, fuck. Do people ever ask you, what'd you shoot, what'd you shoot it on? Yeah. What did you shoot Duh. it on? It's usually, what's your budget, what kind of camera, and uh, how did you get the actors? This is what I hate about the what kind of camera information uh, question. As if they're saying they're going, well, I could make this movie if I just had a better camera. What did you shoot it on? Like, that's what yeah, that question... The whole thing maybe that's is not like what, that, Maybe though. that's not what they're thinking really but when they ask the question that's what i hear is yeah fuck your movie i could do this movie i just don't have a nice camera use what camera did you so use? given my distaste for q a sessions with people i still want to go when you do one that's oh i love it would that be cool could we come along and just be like your entree can we stand behind you with sunglasses i'll, I'll let you know if i get into philadelphia film festival no way year. man yo that would be so sick who for the first time ever responded to an email of mine what? This year. Shit. five years finally got one fucking greenblatt here's the thing as you know, Josh, you declared this the year of absolution. Absolution. You've already forgiven James McAvoy and, and ben, Affleck. ben Affleck. So I will say this. If y'all's movie gets in the Philadelphia Film Fest. We will forgive the Philadelphia Film Festival and everybody involved in it. 100%. 100%. Even Andrew Greenbrack. When we do this, though, can we please stand behind you wearing sunglasses and say nothing while you answer all questions? Yes, of course. Fucking yes! yes! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so, so I'm sorry. Let me let me just compose myself. So loud into the microphone right now. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I can't even describe how happy that makes me. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'll my even bad. sponsor the episode. What? Oh my God! <laughs> what? This is the greatest day ever. This is so cool. This is the best. Hey, thank you for being on the show. That's really awesome. Thank you. Uh, le- let me let me also. Uh, Do you have anything you want to hype? No, I want to echo your plugs and specifically say, like, I, I, not just being nice, I really did, like, before I disappear a lot. And, uh, and I think that it's, you know, it's hard to find short films and some of your short films, folks might not know where to look, 
But uh, I want to encourage people to make that effort because that was my frustration was not, oh, the way I was like, you know, I really want to watch these things. I really yeah. like short film as a as a uh, format. Yeah. And I only get to see them at Film Fest. Yeah. Like, I really only regularly see short films because they're before a movie that I know I, I'm going to see. And I don't love that. You yeah. know, I, I really wish. See, that's the thing that that I lament about, like, you know, Vivisections being gone. Our friend right. of the podcast, Matt Garrett, director of. Uh, uh, Morris County Beating yep. Hearts. He used to curate a, a quarterly shorts block at the Philomoca that was all, but it was all horror. So, right. like, I, it's I've a big never... thing in the Philadelphia, Jersey area. It's all horror movies. Really? Wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything. I like horror and I'm glad that there's a network for horror, but the idea that that network of fans is only for horror is actually super dumb to me. It's super, and, it's just wrong, is the well, thing. Like, I, I want to see more. I mean, this is partly why we have this fucking podcast, but like, the attitude in Philly is like, the crowd exists first, and then we host a thing. Yeah. Not, let's start hosting things, and then, and then we the build an build. audience. Yeah. That's yeah, how yeah, you build it. Yeah. I mean, if you've never booked shows before, you don't go, well, I guess I'll just go to the truck because people go there. And <laughs> That's a thing. The Something's going to happen. You yeah. start booking shows at a small venue, and you start building an audience until yeah. you know you have people who care enough about what you're doing to show up. That's how it works in anything you're doing. Yeah, that's how Aww. that's how Robbie did it. Let's not make the big up to my man the, Robbie Redcheeks. Oh, that's true. Not that's that you're true. ever going to hear it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you have anything you want to hype? I Break mean, Free Fest is coming up next weekend, so it's like this. This episode's not going to get up before Break Free Fest. Okay. It's Saturday. The New York Hardcore Chronicles screening is going to yes. happen next weekend. Plug Plug yes, that. please. It's going to be an interesting night where we will be hosting director Drew Stone of Antidote and uh, Mike Judge of Judge and Rob Nunzio of Antidote and Danny Schuler of Biohazard. We will be screening Mr. Stone's movie, the New York Hardcore Chronicles film, Yep, and uh, where he speaks to many luminaries in a hardcore scene that yep. a lot of us in this area grew up with and uh, totally love. Yep. And then we're going to talk to Mike Judge and them. And yep. this shit's going to be fucking crazy pants. Yep. So that's coming up. Please come out, support. It's at the Philomoca, June 2nd Yep. at 7 o'clock. We'll be doing the doors are at 7. I think we'll start at 7.30 and then Q&A shortly thereafter. We should have started the episode with this, but uh, here we are at the end. I might as well remind everyone. That XLVACX.com, the Lehigh Valley apparel creations, are the best people. Yeah, and they also made this episode possible. Yes. I mean, more specifically, they make our t-shirts possible, but... Uh, but the, also this episode. Yeah. And uh, and we also want to plug uh, the two newest shows on the network. Got Me a Movie. Yep, which is uh, the couple you may know from Vincent Price's Laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this LB is and... Uh, and uh, Andrew Burgertron. That's not true. It's Bargeron. <laughs> but I just like saying Burgertron. Uh, and, and the Black Sun Dispatches. Yep. And that's with uh, Brendan Foley. And uh, both those shows are great. I really They're like awesome. Black Sun I Dispatches really, really a love lot. Them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Got Me a Movie a lot, too. But I think that I keep plugging Black Sun because it's not what we normally yeah, do. Yeah, it's not our typical show. It's our first fiction show. So. Yeah. I think it's worth giving a, giving a shot to. Um, but I also think that if you like Got Me a Movie, which is really great, you should check out some of their other podcasts as well. And then I also want to, we, we gave a little bit of a plug to Josh being on um, Kid, Goggles. Kid Goggles. I also didn't get a chance to say I was a guest on Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead, uh, the Nerds of Nostalgia guys. Yeah, the same guys who do Nerds of Nostalgia. And they were great. Uh, what I love about that is that our, our man Greg 
actually listens to Cinepunks and could actually say things about Cinepunks. Like, I like when you were in the comic shop. I like when you talked <laughs> about venues. I mean, like, who likes the venue episode? Yeah, but Greg right. was like, I love that episode. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> great. It's not even from Man. Philadelphia. So thank you, Greg. Um, yeah, so big ups to them and keep an eye out for that episode. But also, big ups to um, our men at um, I Like the Movie Movie. Yes. Garrett Smith and uh, Dan Scully. Love you've you guys been very on, much. You've been on that show. Me and Evo. We did the I uh, have Fury not. Road. So, so hey, gentlemen. I like to movie movie. I would do a guest on yours, John, and we should have you on ours. Let's yeah. do a, let's, let's do a, let's cross. Do a podcast exchange. We could do like a two-parter where we talk oh! about, we talk like we did with Justin, where yeah, we like talk we about two things on their John, and then they talk about two things on our John. I guess do a swap cast. Swap cast. Air one episode on each other's platforms. Yeah. Wow. Two hey, birds you know what? Once. You know what? You know what? That's right. <laughs> Although right. I don't know if they want their sounds better than ours. So yeah, 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 yeah. So they record it at their place. Yeah, those motherfuckers. <laughs> you, you guys are awesome, and uh, we want to be guests on your show. Me again. Yeah, even if you like that movie that I didn't like, <laughs> but we still like the movie movie with you. Yeah, so much. All right, so that's it. Thank you so much, Brendan. I mean, Bear, for coming on our show. I like that you've totally adopted Bear <laughs> as your nickname for him. And uh, yeah, episode 64, Cinepunks. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it.